For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. Uh, very, very uh, um, wonderful, courageous rescues across the weekend. Front of this morning's mirror carries a kayaker who was swept out by a, a freak wave who was winched to safety in, a, in an operation. And then you had the, uh, the man who was uh, in a cave for a long, long time, 21 hours in a cave. Uh, another kayaker trapped in a cave for more than 21 hours. He was freed yesterday. The tide was coming into the cave. Uh, eventually got him out. This is uh, off Don Patrick Head in County Mayo. And the woman who was with them had to be rescued by uh, other kayakers. So um, that could have been an awful tragedy. 21 hours. Apparently, they were staying in touch with them. The emergency coastal services stayed in contact with them every half hour. And he was in good spirits throughout. 21 hours must have felt like 21 years when you think of it. And then a very tragic accident above in uh, on the Lewis tracks. The mirror this morning is saying that a man uh, was killed by a Lewis in the early hours of Sunday morning. He missed his stop, apparently. A man in his 50s missed his stop uh, and was walking back on the tracks when he was struck by the Lewis train. Uh, awfully, awfully tragic uh, story. Um, those are... He's starting a week like that because God knows there's been enough tragedy now, isn't there? Um, and in other news, of course, we've got a lot of other types of uh, worry and grief. And one of them is, according to the Mail, that this problem that we have, serious problem with the energy crisis and the cost of energy, not just in homes, but also in businesses, might actually impact impact on employment. The Mail this morning says COVID-style onslaught is needed to protect jobs that they need to attack the potential of unemployment rising like they attacked the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And of course, we had the uh, cost of living rally on the Grand Parade at the weekend. And uh, the Examiner and the Echo carried that. The Echo's got uh, some aerial f- colour photographs on the inside pages of crowds joining the cost of living protest organised by the cost of living coalition and uh, the photographs of them streaming uh, down uh, Patrick Street. Thousands were at that uh, rally. If you're there, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Uh, text 0868104106. But more swinging uh, increases. Uh, the cuts, of course, are always the things you need. Uh, and the increases are always things you cannot afford. So this morning, the Independent on its front page talks about electricity and gas providers who are putting up their standing charges. Now, I'll have some more on that a little later on this morning. But some energy providers could be putting up their standing charge to 700 euro a year. Uh, And that would be regardless, nothing to do with the amount of energy they actually use or burn. It's just a standing charge. The standing charge, I believe, and I'll be talking to bonkers.ie about this. The standing charge, I believe, is the charge that they put onto you to get the electricity or the gas physically into your house. Isn't it insane? Like you, you wouldn't have a supermarket charging you. Um, you know, two euro for the milk and an additional 50 cent for the bottle or the carton. I mean, think of it like that. Uh, but more families are to get um, some help. The examiner this morning talks of it. It's just a pathetic, paltry fiver on the weekly fuel allowance. Um, so, I mean, where the hell would a fiver go if you increase it from 33 euro uh, to 37 or 38 euro? And the big thing about this is, of course, it wouldn't even be immediate. It's likely to be from January of next year. They wouldn't even make it an immediate increase. And then, of course, other things that they just can't seem to get right in this country that we live in is anybody that was uh, promised a bonus but didn't work directly within the HSC. Isn't it amazing how they managed to find it for directly employed HSC workers? But for those outside the HSC who also worked, all of the agency staff 
um, who worked through and many more besides that um, uh, they still haven't got it and it's just adding insult to injury really when you think of it. Uh, so in other news then of course you have uh, the Queen uh, Elizabeth II the coffin has been closed 109 hours um, of queuing and over 400,000 people got to see uh, the uh, coffin uh, and of course that ended this morning at 6am and the papers this morning carry that it'll be wall to wall now not just on British television or radio but also RTE will be carrying it uh, right across the day I'm told they'll also be doing it on their news now channel and all of the new, I see Sky this morning in front of me here with the procession has started I mean the official um, uh, lying in state has ended now and it moves on to you know all of the, the ceremony involving um, putting her and laying her to rest in Westminster Abbey. Um, but there were other kind of stories that made the papers too of interesting contrast. One was David Beckham, um, who queued for 13 hours to see the Queen's ca- ca- casket. Apparently, he had a good laugh in the queue with people. They had a lot of cakes and drank a lot of coffee and had a lot of crack. But others then are suggesting, isn't it, it's, isn't it crazy the world we live in, uh, Beckham? who's supposed to be an all-round nice guy. No issue with David Beckham. Uh, Apparently, they're saying, ah, he was only doing it as a publicity stunt because he's mad to get the knighthood. So that's one aspect of, uh, you know, the the famous who queued. And the other ones then are those who apparently didn't queue, and that's Holly Willoughby and Philip Schofield have got a right online backlash with many people now calling them for them to be sacked. They've been criticised for allegedly jumping the line, jumping the queue. They had... Uh, credentials, press credentials on them. Uh, but apparently, is it ITV? I think they're with ITV, aren't they? The This Morning Show. This Morning Show. Apparently, ITV had to issue a statement of the weekend saying they were actually working, they were filming, but that doesn't seem to cut it with people because they're saying, yeah, so what? That has nothing to do with queuing to pay respects to the Queen. You want to do that? They should have done what Beckham did, gone to the back of the queue and queued for their nine or ten hours. So you can't win. Olivia Keller in many papers this morning tells us that many flights are being cancelled into London's Heathrow Airport to ensure silence during the funeral ceremonies for Britain's Queen Elizabeth. And they include eight Aer Lingus flights and probably lots more besides. But certainly into Heathrow, uh, many, many flights cancelled and all of the dignitaries have been arriving uh, over the past couple of days. Uh, Michal Martin is there and Michael D as well. So if you total up all of the flights, it's, it's well over 100 have been cancelled and a, a thousand flights due to take off or land uh, will be delayed because they want to keep the noise levels down. And you've got loads of world leaders gathering in London and have been all weekend and all of that kicks into action today. Uh, they call her an action woman, the Queen, whose deeds brought our two countries closer. They're not my words, they're the words of the Taoiseach Michal Martin. Other stories making the papers, of course we heard of many uh, stories over the past couple of weeks of free contraception, particularly for younger women. And the Mail this morning says a contraceptive jab for men is just a year away. So the days of the snip will be long gone. And apparently this jab uh, which is called Rysug it could be ready within a year. And apparently, you just get the jab once every 10 years, apparently, and you're grand for a decade, by all accounts. Uh, and the papers this morning then, uh, d- there's always different surveys on with regards to, you know, utilities providers. And it's not necessarily gas or electricity or whatever. It could be phone companies. It also could be those that provide you phone or broadband uh, and indeed television. And air continue to do so badly. The Sun this morning says that air has been denounced as a national disgrace 
by its customers for its poor customer service. Some of this, the complaints that I saw this morning reading through them, including people who had no television over Christmas, uh, rainfall cutting the internet, pensioners being left without functioning panic buttons, and the communications between them and their company has been called a shambles, branded a national disgrace. Headline says, here we go again. And I see Cubans a nightclub, formerly known, of course, as Spiders back in the day, is up for sale. And literally, you turn the key and in you go. It's um, fully ready to go. All of the equipment is there. All of the jocks rig is there. All of the lighting and all of the bars. Not so sure they're stocked, but that wouldn't be take too long to stock it up. But you need to have 3.7 million euro for the privilege of buying Quark's iconic nightclub known as Cubans. The starting price, that is, of 3.7. It's like 25,000 square feet uh, over many floors, multiple bars, dance floor, the whole lot. And not too far from Reardon, so you could go from one to the other. It's in a pretty... It's in a pretty cool location, actually, um, in that particular area. But you you look at licenses then in general. There are many pubs uh, shutting in Ireland and have been doing so either through COVID or a consequence of COVID or indeed people's um, changing drinking patterns. So they're saying that licenses now for pubs, according to The Sun this morning, are changing hands now for a record price of up to €70,000, despite the decline in the traditional boozer. So someone somewhere is interested in buying them. And who are they? Well, they're supermarkets and petrol stations are among those snapping up uh, the seven-day pub licences. So, they're, you know, they're licences, but they can be transferred. But we're not talking about people wanting to reopen uh, traditional boozers. That isn't the case. Uh, we certainly will be seeing Garth Brooks back. He makes many of the papers today as he said his goodbyes and boarded his plane, plane after his five hell-raising Croke Park concerts. And he's made a promise, which he will fulfil, as he flew out of Dublin Airport in his private plane, fairness to him, uh, and off he went uh, after the final gig. And he says that I'll be back, in the words of Schwarzenegger. But I, I love this story out of y'all. Apparently the whole weekend down in y'all, there has been a parking meter that has been literally spitting out free parking tickets all weekend. It just spits out ticket after ticket after ticket. And it's like confetti at a wedding. Uh, Shami showed me some photographs and posted some of it online where there was uh, some people saying, free parking in y'all, just come and pick up your ticket. Many were saying in y'all, it's a pity it was a parking machine that was spitting out and firing out free parking tickets and that it wasn't an eight... (laughs) That it wasn't an ATM machine firing on fivers or twenties or fifties. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Could happen with the way tech is going these days. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Corks Red FM. Monday morning. How was your weekend? Oh, incidentally, talking about how was your weekend, you have another opportunity to win yourself uh, some wonderful donuts in our Monday Munchies. Happens every week in association with Offbeat Donuts. Uh, and they create those circles of obsession that everybody loves and we've got a box of them. There's, a, I think there's more than a dozen in this box, guys. I think it's more likely to be about 15 donuts. Uh, we can get them sorted for you and get them delivered and everything for you and those at home or indeed those in the workplace. So, how was your weekend? What you do? What you get up to? Text 086-8104-106. The most interesting story later on this morning. We'll have the Red Patrollers deliver a big box of donuts to you courtesy of ourselves and offbeat donuts on French Church Street. Meanwhile, uh, over 3,000 people uh, spent their Saturday afternoon in the city at the cost of living protests. Thousands attended it 
on Saturday afternoon. Uh, I want to play you some audio just ahead of some calls on this because Jamie O'Hara from the newsroom uh, was there covering it and spoke to some locals. What you're going to hear, obviously, is stuff that you'd expect people to be talking about, the terrification and the uncertainty surrounding rising heating and electric bills and rising every type of cost, and it's just not fuel and energy. It's unfair to the profiteering that's going on at the moment, but it's normal Joe soap. Just trying to struggle to survive, really. I've had my family, eight kids, and two myself and my wife. So we just here for uh, here for their future, really. The cost of living, cost of houses, everything's gone through the roof. And we've enough land in this country for houses, and the government should be doing more for the people of this country. How difficult are you finding it just to feed, heat, clothes, eight kids, send them to school? <laughs> year by year, it's getting more and more expensive. I'm lucky I have a job to help them, but at the same time, there's many families in this country that are not in my position. So as I say, I'm here for them more so than I'm here for myself. I'm Yvonne McMahon. I'm with FOSS Ireland. Yvonne, why did you decide to come out today and why are the FOSS parents coming out today? They're coming out because there's ch- children and adults there that, um, that are on carers and carers is so little and a lot of parents are, wor- are worried about the cost of living with electricity as well because there's children and adults that need equipment like like respirators and to know and electric beds and hoists and that and it's a matter of life and death really if they don't have them how long is it taking for this equipment to, to get to parents years i'm waiting on a rehab buggy for my son which i haven't received yet years it's taken them um, there's people waiting for wheelchairs two years onwards it's, it's appalling, absolutely appalling. What age is your son? My son is eight. My son has autism, moderate intellectual disability. He's in nappies. He's in, he needs a rehab buggy. He's nonverbal, and he attends a special school. One of the things that the parents that I was talking to from FOSS was saying was the guilt of actually, you know, not being able to afford these things and having to wait years further. Is that something you've had to deal with? Yes, definitely, 100%. Like... There, there is a lot of guilt there because like I'm, I'm a single parent to two children with, com- with complex needs one Michael would have more complex needs than Emily and when you can't afford therapies and you can't afford to help them when you know they can move forward and they're, but they're regressing because you don't get these services and when you can't afford them because the carers are so little Can you talk to me just about even the cost of living then just even on top of that? Well, on top of that, I'm out here as well because there's elderly people who will choose heating or food. And to be honest with you, they'll find, unfortunately, they'll find a lot of deaths in their homes if this carries on. Something needs to be done now. We hear of nurses renting apartments and houses in Dublin and they're paying up to a thousand euros a month. Those nurses, they're not earning sufficient money to pay that. And what they're doing then, 
during the day they're going to penny dinners for food. I think that is a disgrace in this day and age. The budget is 10 days away. Do you have any confidence that the government will do enough to ease the cost of living? Definitely not. Definitely not until they take control of the ESB again. We must take the electricity, the energy, back into state ownership because once they privatised that, it was a very big mistake. People knew that it was going to go through the roof, the cost of energy, and people were suffering. We've only got to look around the country today and see the people going into the shops, looking at the price of everything. Can I afford this? Can I afford that? In terms of the winter, so you, David, you were saying that you will you will go to basically warm places. Oh, Have you had to do that before, or do you think it's... No, I never had to do that before, because I could always afford to turn on the heat. Last year, I bought 500 litres, or earlier this year, about 500 litres of Central Heat Nile, and I paid nearly 900 euros for the 500 litres. Now, that has got to do me until next February or March, which means I will be only turning on the heat maybe for an hour, two hours at night time. Regards to get heat into the house in the morning, that will be a no-no. Just a selection of voices from Saturday afternoon. I was chatting on the air on Friday morning with Jim O'Hearn, a regular and valued contributor to this programme. I asked him to report back after Saturday afternoon's protest. And he's a man of his word. Jim, good morning. Neil, how are you, boy? Good, my man. How many people would you estimate? Uh, there, there was definitely 3,000 there, uh, at least. No okay. problem. You okay. know? But what about the age profile? Try and break that down for me. Yeah, well, I, I, I did. I spent a bit of time walking around, though, and... You know, this is my, my percentage on it. Like, I, I presume everybody was over 50 was 80%. Um, and the other 20% then would have been broken, broke up between the the 25 to 50 and the 25 under. Okay, so 80% um, of them 50 pluses, mostly over 60s, I think you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I spoke to a lot of them and they were there, a lot of them were there for their grandchildren or children, not for themselves. Um, like, they, they know that their kids are in trouble, you know? Mm. Um that, that, that was basically it. Um, the, the, the other thing I noticed, Neil, uh, was very noticeable, was was the, who was missing. Um, like, there, there was no union representative there, you know, or unions weren't there to, you know, this is, a, this is, this is all the ordinary workmen's thing, they weren't there. There was no refugee flags flying, whether they be yellow, blue, or any other colour. They are going to be soon in the mix with us when they get their homes and stuff, but they, there was no one there representing. Would you believe that there should have been to show um, some sort of support? Absolutely. So they're going to be with us. They're with us. Their kids are with us for life. They just want to realise that the good times won't last. You know, like certainly this year, their ESB will be on. They'll have warm uh, beds. Their kids will be fed. But in two years' time, they'll be with the rest of us. Now, won't happen. Mm, well, again, we're back to their old chestnut as to whether they'll stay or go home. But perhaps that's for another well, day. Well, I hope to do because they seem to be lovely people. What about um, what about the the political elite? How many of those turned? I know Mick Barry was there because he would have been front and centre. Who else? Mick Barry was there and Tommy was there and, uh, you know, there was nobody. You know, the people that you voted in was in your last election, you know, if you were Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, they didn't turn up. And we know that they're in, in power, but they should still be standing with the people. Just because they're doing things wrong doesn't mean that they shouldn't put their feet on the ground. Was Tommy, was Thomas Gould the only Sinn Féin representative there? What about Donald O'Leary from the South Side? No? Well, Tommy was the only one I see speaking on the top, and I must admit, though, Tommy gave a great speech off the pulpit there, and uh, he went back into his clinic for one second where he lost it, but it was good rebelizing. There was another guy from people... What, what, so what, was, what were they saying? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry for interrupting. 
Yeah, there was another guy from uh, people before, Prophet, a young man. He spoke fantastic. Jesus, great to see the young people having that kind of voice. And then Mick Barry just done the same as he always does, just talking figures and facts. And, you know, he's a, he's a man born to be in opposition. Like, he's like a heckler, you know? And he's what about the young the guy you said? What did that young man have to say? Yeah, he was just representing the young people and their, uh, what they're being caught for. And, you know, being on, you're living in the college and, you know, living in cars and stuff. Just that you, young people are in trouble, you know? But but then again, why was there much student turnout there? Because we hear all of the time how difficult they're finding it. No, and I approached the students' uh, council or whoever they were, maybe the students' union. They had a table, and they, they, they had about 20 people from there. But no students besides that turned up. And I, I bought that to their attention, and I said, look, it's, we're here for ye. Ye have the problems. Why aren't the students showing an interest? Um, I subsequently went for a, a, a point in the Chenea. I met a couple of nice young people there, and I asked them the same question, and... They informed me that this one guy was speaking out of 20 in his group, and he was about 24, 25, no finished college, 16 of them have either gone or are going away. Yeah. And it's not, I suppose, they're seeing it as not their problem anymore. 16 out of 20, not our problem because we're leaving anyway. That stat doesn't surprise me, actually, because I hear that all of the time firsthand. Uh, from, you know, my son's 28, my daughter's 26. So I get to hear of those stories of Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the UK, yeah. all yeah. of the time. And I haven't been hearing as many of those kind of stories for a long time, I have to say. Um, but in spite, of all, in spite of all of that, though, I don't think you'd expect a, a government politician to be there as such because they'd have got some amount of grief because this isn't just about fuel. This is just the cost of living in general, the cost of everything, isn't it? That's what this was about. Oh, it's everything, and nobody is shouting stop, it's only get worse. Um, one thing that was also there that was very, uh, I was impressed with, was the corporation workers um, had a small little demonstration. The guys that are fit, fitting the meters and fixing a water when it leaks, uh, that lovely bunch of guys that we have in the city. And they, they, were, they were shouting that um, Irish Water are going to taking over all their jobs after Christmas. They're dealing with their unions, and their unions are shafting them. And I suppose... We better take notes because this is part of the problem as well. In the last 30 years, the unions have put their feet under the table. You might remember the 80s, 85 when they'd done it, and they never took their feet out from under the table. And they're now in league with keeping the workers happy and quiet. And I, I suppose if I had to take something from the whole protest, Neil, it would be maybe we need not just to send a message to the government, we actually need to send a message to the unions. And I, I, I'd be kind of suggesting to people to stop paying their union scripts. Mm. And nationally, mm. we, we get the unions to wake up because we're getting no representation from them. And as a matter of fact, I think they're causing us trouble. Yeah, so, but do you, do you think that they really are sitting our hands? I mean, the different unions within the educational system are constantly flexing their muscles. The nurses' union is. I see Mandate having a good rattle-off duns on a regular basis with regards to their treatment and uh, rates of pay and working hours of employees. Um, but is anybody actually threatening strike, I wonder? No, city unions wouldn't dare. Listen, your wage is deducted at source. You, anyone that's working right now, look at your wages. Your union rate is deducted, right? And it's taken by your employer and given to the unions. Now, who's the union representing? It's not representing you. It's representing your employer, right? Because they are the pay, they are paying the unions. Now, unions now have forgotten how to fight and how to work for us. This has to stop. And how you do it is you stop paying your script. Mm -hmm. Go to your employer this week and say, I am not paying my script. You can't be sacked for it. They can't threaten you. They can't bring you to court. It's the opposite. If they stop you working, 
You can bring them to court. Yeah, no but way. if they ultimately go out on strike, uh, then you won't get paid whatever amount from your script that you've paid in back from the union by way of uh, assistance. Neil, you saw the, you saw the Debenham girls they were going on strike for ages, right? They got a few phone, they went down longer than other. But once they once that was over, they were no longer union members. They, the union didn't care about them or where they got their next job. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. So but you look I mean it's it's a sensible thing to do. If we want to send a message to government, we have to send it on a few different fronts. One big message would be if we all start playing union script and if the government what what's gonna happen? The government are gonna be afraid of strikes. Individual companies. We we'll we'll upset it. And if you want if you want things to sort to stop you have to be radical. I said, I said it to a guard on the street. I said to him, I said, they're very quiet. I said, this won't change until we get a march. That's radical. Okay, okay. Apparently, Donegal O'Leary was there, as was uh, Pat Buckley, Sinn Féin, both of those from Sinn Féin. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't see him. I didn't okay. go looking away. And apparently, there were, I'm just, just to be fair to everybody, there was a student yeah. representative who spoke at the start of the rally uh, and yeah. she addressed the crowd apparently. So there was, maybe there wasn't a whole lot of young people, but there was a representative of the students and the three Sinn Féin TDs were there. On, on top of all of that, yeah. though, what difference yeah. will Saturday afternoon make, do you think? Um, it, 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 absolutely no more government. I mean, it was only last night, Varadkar announced that the 30% rate that he was speaking about bringing in, he said he doesn't want to go to war with anybody at it. But sure, if there was a war came to Ireland, Varadkar would be the first into his bunker with, with, with Matt and sleep it out, you know? Mm, Let, mm. They're giving us comments every now and again. They're going to help us. They're reneging on everything. So we got to send the government a message, send the unions a message, and maybe strike is the way. I, like, I mean, they're starting to burn all their bills, store up all their ace bills and utility bills. You know, they're beginning to get the same grief. But we need to do something. Mm. Let's have to think. Like, I asked, I, asked, I asked Mick Barry there. He couldn't come up with any solution. I asked him, what about the carbon tax? Could we get rid of it? And then he ran with that. Mm. There were two years. I said, do something. But right. it's nothing. No one's thinking, you know. He's nothing in his think tank, like. All right. Okay. Let's get some more calls on the air, Jim. Appreciate you coming back Thanks, after Dave. Saturday afternoon's protest, Roger. as always. Cheers. Antoinette, good morning. Good morning, Ned. How are uh, you? Did you attend? I did. Um, I actually spoke on behalf of Family United First Services of Sport. Because um, your daughter, we, Katie, has cerebral palsy. She's 15 years old. She does, yeah. Did I yeah. hear part of you in the audio there a little while ago? Talking about having to wait for everything, wait for everything, wait for everything? No, that was, that was Yvonne. Okay, fair um, enough. Okay. Right. No, well, we have to wait as well. Um, in Katie's case, Katie has, as you said, she has cerebral palsy. Um, she also has a dislocated hip. And we now have to take her out of the country for the second time. Because we're just getting pawned off left, right and centre. We've been told Katie's too weak for surgery here. So it's just... You know what? We're just so is a lot of what you have to do to help her private treatment then? Yes, everything is, is at this stage is private because um, services for children with, with disabilities is non-existent. Okay, okay. Um, everything is a fight. How do you financially cope with that, yourself? with all of that expense? Well, I get carers allowance, which is €224 Euro a week. Mm-hmm. Um... That obviously has to pay food, bills, rent, school fees that come in and everything else. Um, but the, but d- don't tell me that's the only source of income coming into the house, surely. No, like, my husband is here, but, like, 
my my carers is means tested yeah. on his wages. On his wages, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And know, what kind of increase? What kind of increase? Yeah, as in no carers. No carers because they because, because the means earn too much money. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing a job for like caring for our kids, and to be quite honest, the government don't care. They have they like they just completely ignore us. We we tell them like we can't survive on two hundred twenty four euro. How have you and had to cut back in the last uh, six to eight months or so? Well, cutting back, Katie doesn't get private physio anymore because I can't afford to pay for it. I do it myself. You do the physio? Like, it's a difference between me paying 90 euro for a session for her or feeding my family. And are you capable of doing I it properly? Do it. No, I'm not a physiotherapist. Well, what choice do I have? Yeah. If, like, those employed to care for for and going to do it. What choice do I have? Do you have? think that there are many families where the mother or the father or whomever has taken over the physio of a child in need? Yes, I do. There's, there's, like it's, and it's not only physiotherapy, it's occupational therapy, it's speech therapy. Like With speech therapy, parents with, with kids with autism are being sent on parenting courses and they're actually putting these down as speech therapy for the kids. But they're not getting speech therapy. That's pretty you know, shocking like, to hear that um, that uh, parents are having to do it themselves, make do, do the best they can. Um, because they're, they're professional yeah. roles that take many years of training. Parents don't have that skill. No, we don't. Like, I, I'll give you an instance. Like, the last physio session Katie had, um, I suffer with scoliosis myself. And so there is some physio I can't. Like, I cannot get on the ground with Katie and, like, pull out her legs and stretch her legs. And, and she needs that. She needs it. And her physiotherapist actually, actually suggested to me that her 17-year-old brother and sister do her physiotherapy work. I mean, why would any, like, I wouldn't let them do it. God almighty. They're too young. They don't understand. Like, if they pull Katie's leg the wrong way, that they could hurt her. Absolutely. Like, as I said, I'm not qualified, but I'm 15 years I know Katie. I know what I, what she's capable of, what she's not capable of. What her brother and sister are. No, no, no. You know, like... It's a form of abandonment by the state, you know, really, isn't it? If you like. It's state neglect. It it's is, not even yeah, abandonment. It's actually state neglect. It is neglect, yeah. yeah. Like, like, people are, are being forced to go, like, you know, on basic surgeries, as I said, and we to bring Katie out of the country. Wheelchairs, specialist seating. Um... Like then if, say we have an appointment in Dublin, like we live in Cork, obviously. Yeah. But you could get an appointment for three o'clock in the afternoon. Not so on the same day. A, Not like, on the same day, though. It could be three o'clock in the day that you could get an appointment. Yeah, but you get notice so of that. So if you sure. leave here, oh, obviously you get notice. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. But you either have to go up the night before and stay somewhere or go up for four, like for three o'clock and book in somewhere. So that's, like, the price of hotels at the moment. That's 300 euro. You How would, are the carers supposed to pick you, up 300 euro? Gosh, I know. You would want all of that done. Yeah, I know. I know. And then there's the cost of fuel on top of that. Like, to fill a car to go to Dublin and back. That's costing us extra. Like, if you have... You want to go into a car park in a hospital, you have... You drive in, you have to pay for parking. Yeah, I know. I have a, a parking permit for Katie. 
if I if I go into a hospital car park, I still have to pay for parking for her. Even if I'm parked in a disabled parking Yeah, place. it's all those little things that add up it's to all, a huge... Like all these, these little yeah. things that add up. And on top of that, um, you've got energy like, costs and of course many people are struggling with that and yeah, then you have then, the cost like, of food. For energy costs, like there is some parents that have motorised beds. They have equipment that needs to be charged yeah. all the time. Yeah. And the household package that some carers, not all carers get, is thirty three fifty a month. What good is that if you don't get a bill for four hundred five or five hundred euros? Yeah. What good is a fiver that they're talking about this morning? Um, a fiver like increase with the you know. But the thing about that. it is, like with that fiver as well, I went off Cork County Council, so I get that that five euro off the government. The fuel allowance. Cork County Council, no, they like if they gave say they give us five euro in the budget. Mm. They give me that five euro. Then Cork County Council will reassess my rent. So half that five euro was taken off for can't me you can't to pay win. the rent. You can't win. You know what I mean? No you matter what way we, we turn, it's just hand out, hand out, hand out. Okay, okay. And we can't do it anymore. Okay. Do you like think we, it, we're, like we're broken. Do you think that a protest we, like we, Saturday we, afternoon will make any difference? I hope so, because they have to listen to us at some stage. Like, I, as I said in, in my own speech, um, my daughter, as I said, Katie, she spoke at the, the first, first march. And her quote at that march, and I said it again on Saturday, remember this, our children will be old enough eventually to be able to vote, and they will be the ones who will decide if our government ministers will keep their job or not. Okay, okay, good for like her. They, they, they're not thinking of those things. They're children now. But they will eventually be of age, and they will remember what the government and what the hate But here, here's what young people are doing. They're either going to vote Sinn Féin or they're going to leave the country. Um, that's the pick and mix they're living with at the moment. Yeah, well, I've ta- like, I told all my children, obviously Katie, you know, yeah, we can take, she can leave the country but she's restricted on what country she can go to because of her disability. I know, I know. But my other three children, I've told them, as soon as you get the opportunity, get out of this country because there's nothing here for them. Okay. All right, Antoinette, thank you for that. Uh, William, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? What did you make a Saturday afternoon? You were there? Yes, it was okay, but some of the speakers were... Oh, I don't know. I'll be quite honest with you, Neil. Most of those speakers do not represent the people that work in Ireland. And that is the problem. There is nobody to speak for the people that work in Ireland. And you have all these... uh, I was very disappointed allowing the students' union up there to speak. Why? These people have no credibility. Whatsoever. Well, I was That's reading this you... morning. I was reading this morning uh, yet another update on how difficult it is being a student. Apparently, some student tried to crash in the UCC library because he or she had nowhere to go to bed that night. And, and how do you explain the big lineup of people waiting to get into a pub the other morning? That you covered on your show. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult to balance the two sides of the coin. I know. I know. I know. That's it. And then, but they, but, have... but in spite of the fact that they might want to socialise or go for a few pints. They still have to find somewhere to rent, and it's a grand a month now, a room. An extortion racket. You said there this morning that um, 
the standing charge is going up for the uh, for the electricity and etc yeah. etc. Et yeah. That's an extortion racket ran by the state and ran by the companies. Nothing else. That's basically what it is. Yeah. You know what's a racket? And the ESB is making two million euro a day profit. That's course, the racket. They are not the only company that's making massive profits. Okay, so apart from the fact that the UCC Students' Union have no credibility or saying and had no right to talk because they party too much, whom else were you unhappy with on Saturday afternoon? Sinn Féin, my God. I mean, my God, Sinn Féin certainly do not represent the people that work in Ireland. They came up with an idea during last week that they're going to take more money off of people that have a few bob to leave to their families. I mean, these people have no credibility. And as a matter they of fact, said it was a no-brainer not to tax the inheritance of wealthy people. Yeah, I mean, my God, people that walked out their life began to accumulate something and shouldn't be no one to come along and take it off of them. Because they made open. something of their life, you feel. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's an absolute disgrace. I'll, I'll tell you, Neil, the majority of politicians in Doyle Aaron do not represent the people that work in Ireland. What they rep- represent is very big business and uh, Irish and foreign dossers. That's basically it. Yeah, that's, but I suppose they have to keep an eye on that. Otherwise, these big businesses wouldn't come here and contribute tax to the exchequer and employ people. So you need to mind that. Certainly. But, uh, I mean, I mean, you have a group of politicians in Dalaran that... If there was any justice there, they'd either be hung or they'd be in jail for life because they have committed massive treason against the people of this country. They've sold out the country to everybody but the people of Ireland. They, they, I, I go as far as say, there's that fellow there, Roderick O'Gorman. The, that fellow has done more damage to the people of Ireland than the 800 years of British occupation. Why? Oliver Cromwell combined. If that fella had his way, he'd have the country flooded with every Tom, Dick, and Harry from the four corners of the planet. He's the child, he's the children's minister. How can you say that? Children's minister. My God, what he is is a treachery to the. the but isn't the, he the guy? Isn't he the guy who's going to reduce the childcare fees for people oh, sending preschool and creches? Oh, for God's sake, uh, Neil, Neil. Uh, he, that man lives in fantasy land. Okay, he's so. like the. Lead. He's like the leader of the Green Party. I mean, that the, the, the people in the Green Party are living in double-cloaked cuckoo land. So do you regret going in Saturday afternoon? Did it make a blind oh, bit of difference? Oh, certainly not. And as a matter of fact, I, I'm hoping to go to Dublin next Saturday. Okay. All right, my man. Okay. The more, the more people... But I don't think the politicians will ever learn their lesson until some of them are hanging off a lamppost. Uh, you can't be talking like that. You don't want... They, they are pushing the people of Ireland to total revolution. Ah, but you, I know, that's fine, but you want it to be peaceful. You don't want people to be hurt or hanged or drawn or quartered yeah. like the Cromwellian days. Come on. Neil, these politicians are just laughing at us. They're pitching one section of society against another. That's what they're doing. All right, okay. They, they are only really laughing at us. They, I, I, I have no time. There's only, as a matter of fact, I say, there's only a few politicians in Dalier that I have any time for. You're going to tell me who they are, I'm sure, are you? I certainly am. And they're the Healy Rays 
from Kerry. All right. They've, okay. They've you, might be inter- you might be interested to hear that there's um, uh, a report out on TikTok this morning with regards to politicians on TikTok. Are you aware of TikTok, the platform, the sharing oh, platform? Yes, I am indeed. It's going to move to it. It is, yeah. It is, yeah. It is, yeah. But they're looking at the people who have the highest amount of TikTok followers because they're very busy on social media, our politicians. Simon Harris apparently has the biggest. He's got like 91,000 people following him, uh, followed by MEP Claire Daly. And you'd be happy to hear that in third position with TikTok followers is Michael Healy Ray. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> so he's a busy man on social media well, if nothing yeah, else yeah well at, at least the one thing you have to say about them is they put they put their own people first alright my man all right. More so than any of the other politicians in Dalian. Okay, let me get some more calls on the air. Let's see if I can squeeze in Georgie, Georgia this side of uh, 10 o'clock. Um, she travels regularly from Charleville to the city. Georgia, good morning. Thank you. Can you hear me now? There you go. Georgia, are you there? Hello? Can you hear me okay? Yes, um, can you hear me? Yeah, tell me about, tell me about your daily commute. Yeah, so um, I wasn't able to find um, accommodation um, for college this semester, so I've had to commute. Um, my commute from Charleville in the morning, I leave at 7 o'clock, and, you know, depending on traffic, I'm lucky if I get down to Bishopstown at maybe 20 past 9. Okay, so. Um, so it's a total of two hours in the morning. It's, um, uh, it's closer to two and a half hours in the morning and probably the same in the evening. Why couldn't you get accommodation? Talk to me about that um, episode. Um, well, to be honest, um, I've just seen the price of accommodation rise and rise over the last couple of years while I have been at college. Um, so private accommodation, I was totally priced out of. Now, give me an um, idea of the prices they were looking for. Um, like, I, I, to be honest, it's like 800 euro, really. Um, and, you know, the Susie Grant, that doesn't that doesn't cover it and it's nowhere near to covering it. So that's totally, like, unaffordable for me anyway. Okay, so that 800 um, euro was for a bedroom. Yes, okay. and you probably would be sharing with five people in like a tiny house. Okay, okay. And that's very common, isn't it? Uh, is it the same with many in your class in MTU? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, I mean, out of the 30 of us, I think only a handful of people um, ended up getting um, accommodation uh, this year because of because of I've just gone totally unaffordable. Okay. Were, were many actually being offered places in homes where they shared a bedroom? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not uncommon now for maybe rooms that would have previously been double rooms being offered. Um, you know, they put two single beds okay. in there. So out goes the double bed, in goes two price. singles. And then the, how much yeah. would they charge then for two singles per person? I mean, it would it would still be, you know, like 100 and maybe 50 euro a week. Um, and, you know, that's if, you know, yeah, it's luck, you know, that's lucky if you're not getting a digs where you have to be out Friday morning and you're only allowed back in the evening. Okay, um, so are, are, prices. are there students in digs then in Cork? Yes, I mean, I went to the student, uh, I like the student accommodation services and I was just given a list of digs. That was all that was really left. Um, and, you know, it's extortionate prices and you're only there for like five days. Okay, so that would be a family home where they set aside a room for a student, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But you but you you can you can't be there by day. Why not? Well, um I I from my understanding, you could be there by the day, but it was only, you know, for during the Monday to Friday. 
and then you have to make the trip home again on the after in the weekends. Um, so it really the prices they were charging for five days was really just. But year, years ago, digs were very very popular, very popular. Um, and in yeah. fact, in 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 some in many occasions, the digs also included your meals. Yeah, and and like that, that I mean, the situation has changed. Like people are just getting so desperate for anywhere. The prices have gone up, and you know, um, I if you saw prime time on Thursday, the student union representative Molly, she was saying that's not possible for a lot of people to go home at the weekends, like international students, or maybe if you just live too far or you don't have a parent to go back to. But what you, are you supposed to do at the weekend? I know, and it's a long commute for many people coming to the MTU. They'd yeah. be from all over the country. But you know what? In digs, you don't get your dinner, do you? Um, I, I, I don't have experience with digs to be honest so I don't know but the, you know, each digs because they're you know a family renting out their room they can make up you know whatever yeah, years ago you got breakfast and uh, you got dinner as well but God only knows what you'd pay for that so are many many of your classmates then are in a similar situation where they're either couch surfing or they're commuting back and forth long distances every day. I mean, it's probably fair to say that at least four hours of your day is spent travelling to and from college. Yeah, exactly. Four hours minimum, I'd say. And what do you intend to do when you finish college? Um, you know, I I have, I've been thinking about that lately and, you know, I think it was mentioned on the show earlier today that a lot of young people, the only option is to, to immigrate. I, 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 I don't want to leave because, you know, all my friends here, I'm very close to my family. I don't want to leave my family. So I, I, I don't know what I, I'm going to do, but I'm, you know, the reason I'm doing this commute every day that I haven't given, given up, that I haven't deferred because my education is very important to me. I love my degree. I love my industry. I would love to work in my industry. But if I Ireland doesn't have the opportunities for me I really don't know why I know, I know, like many like you Good luck in your final year in creative digital media Stay in touch, alright? Thank you Okay, sad about the commute Sad about the commute Text 0868104106 We'll pick it up after 10 I'm Lana O'Connor Red FM News is first for local, national and international news and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie Get it off your chest Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. John says he's sick to death of hearing about the Queen. Well, it's uh, it may not be much of our business. And he says, uh, hopefully after today, I won't have to hear about it again. But for other people, of course, it is very important. And certainly those across the water who laid to rest the monarch today. Uh, huge amounts of coverage, actually, because RT are... Uh, doing live coverage on television and online, and they've got uh, staff out there. It's on uh, radio, it's on the RT player, you know, lots of coverage from the state funeral here uh, in, in Ireland. And of course, Michael D. Higgins is there, and Michal Martin also. Uh, with regards to the protest uh, on Saturday, there was at least double that crowd. Don't be trying to belittle the crowd, says John. Ah, give me a break. I'm not trying to belittle anybody. I'm asking a generalised question uh, as to how many people were there. If you think there was more than 3,000, then there was more than 3,000. Uh, did you read the government will be giving €33 Euro a week for heat to practically everyone except people working one to two jobs uh, and they do the one to two jobs to survive? 
as usual it's the hardest working middle class that get nothing or next to nothing uh, crude oil prices have been falling for the last two weeks yet the pump prices aren't the euro and the dollar are equal so what's the fuel company's excuse now uh, interesting question you really do need to be shopping around certainly for unleaded I think diesel users are getting an unmerciful hammering staying stubbornly high in many places but there is some better value it's not great value because it's still way too expensive but you can get it uh, in some garages now in the low 170s uh, this was nothing more as in the rally on Saturday was nothing more than an underhanded cynical party recruitment drive as in political party recruitment drive uh, organised by those who actually support the energy policies and endorsed the COVID spending which in itself caused runaway inflation um, and Richie and Toker's critical of Mick Barry and his comrades who even called for more spending during COVID. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why we find ourselves in the situation because we've been hoodlinked, hoodwinked by the very politicians who got us into this mess. We need a new grassroots protest organised by working men and women with no politicians there. And one happy one from a happy punter who headed uh, to see Garth Brooks on Saturday night. I was one of the 90,000 that you were talking about at the Garth Brooks gig Saturday night. And let me just say, it was mind-blowing. To the haters, I can't imagine there would have been any haters. But anyway, to the haters, it was joy for him and sheer happiness on his face told the story. He gave it his all for two two hours, and never in 30 years of going to major concerts with crowds exceeding 100,000, never have I ever seen an artist engage the crowd so much. Every song was echoed word for word throughout the gig. It wasn't about the money for this man. I believe he has a genuine grow for the Irish people. Yes, indeed, and entirely. And that's why he says he's going to be back promptly. Now, I don't know how prompt is prompt. Could it be uh, next year? Uh, be great, though, if he did, because he said he'd play in a field. Uh, we don't quite want him to play in a field, but it will be a nice thing to have Garth Brooks on Lee side, right? Anyway, text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Tony, good morning. Morning, Neil. Richie's saying something similar in a text. It's a new political party for the working man and woman is what we need, not the existing ones we have here already. You're saying something similar. That's right. I firmly believe the government is so detached from reality at the moment that they seem to be... I can't describe my feeling at the moment the way the, the country's been run. They're trying to hold out for the budget. They're trying to hold out to make announcements in a budget when really they should have been sorted and made announcements on. Certainly. Long, long time ago. Well, long certainly on energy costs, yeah. I see an interesting text this morning. You might be interested in this. I'm not going to name the uh, supermarket chain because I'd have to double check it, but a very big Irish supermarket chain, right? Worker within that chain says, I'm absolutely disgusted at what's been going on since last week. Uh, with all price labels being removed in the stores from essential merchandise and new ones being put on with an increase of between €2 euro and €10. Euro. This stretched from newborn baby clothes to Delph and bedding. It's greed and it's gone to a whole new level. Um, it's disgusting. But it's everywhere, Neil. It's, it's in every segment of society. If you go to the cow industry, the cows are manufactured along road, the cows are going up five and six thousand each. If you want to book a holiday, holidays are good. Every commodity, no matter where you turn, there's an increase in prices. Is it greed, though? It's, a lot of it is greed. And, and profiteering and the fact that they can get away with it. And they can use the excuse of the war in Ukraine or they can use the excuse in energy costs. And 
we're paying okay, our energy, staff more and all that kind of stuff. Energy has gone up since the, 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 the end of 2021 and uh, petrol started going up in 2021 and nobody can explain. The barrel of oil is actually less today than it was 10 years ago. It's all taxes and the green, the, the, this green initiative in the world to me, it's a load of rubbish. It's an only an upper excuse. Yeah, but if it was anything that was exclusively happening in Ireland, you say something. But they're having the same problems right across Europe. Because I mean, it's orchestrated. It's orchestrated, Neil. It's, it, it, it's, it's out there. It's orchestrated. The very same as the war. It's orchestrated. The COVID, we, we, we were locked in our homes for two years by, 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 by governments in the world. And on a Friday it finished and the war started in Ukraine on a Monday or Tuesday. And there's no more about COVID. It's gone. It's history. You know, like... Yeah, I, I don't mean to be the purveyor of doom and gloom, but I did read something last week that they were talking about a return of... Uh, obviously, COVID-19 will kick back in in the winter time, but they're also saying that it could be very much worse because of flu. We'd have where, a double... Where has it gone, only? Where has it gone? Is it back on the shelf? Is it going to be reintroduced? Is it, I probably believe it's man-made and it's put out there. And if they want to put a spike, they'll just leave off a veil of it again and we're all in trouble again. Do you but really it, believe it that? Can't be gone on a Friday. It, can, it can't be gone on a Friday and a war starts on Monday and COVID is on the back burner. Now, I mean, people, still, people are still getting sick from COVID. Probably not but as not. sick. They're still going to hospital. I mean, I still know people oh, that have been floored by it. Even last week, we talking to a chap who was floored by it for four days. We, we have it in our own house here and we were sick. Yeah. Okay. But okay. to be honest, it wasn't as bad as made out. I honestly believe we need a new political party with ordinary people that are not detached, that are going through the crisis we're going through at the moment. And this country can be sorted out. We have everything here. We have agriculture, we have wind and we have water. If any other country in the world have the assets that we have here. But people in the island, I know people abroad that I, that I, I'd be talking to on and off and they envy what we have in Ireland. We have everything going for this country. They don't envy Ireland when they come here as a tourist, though, and they get absolutely hammered by prices. They've been robbed, yes. They've been robbed at the moment. Again, it's all part of the plan. It's part of the plan. My daughter was in Killarney there a couple of weeks ago, down in Scots in Killarney, 300 for a room for a night. Like, you get a weekend in Dorothy for that. Yeah, I know, I know. Was it a week? Was it a weekend? One night. At the weekend? I'll tell long weekend gone yeah, that's weekend. where they really ratchet up the prices no matter what they tell you they do and it's about supply look, and demand particularly at weekends look please but look what happened at Open Airport last week with Erlingus you couldn't when the flights were cancelled 54 or 55 flights you couldn't get a room in Dublin because Garrett Brooks was in Dublin you couldn't get a room people stepped in the airport floor even the airport in Cork and there's nobody how they going through it yeah I know I know you know, I, know, it's, I, know. Look, I, I don't want to be getting into it but we definitely need a change in management in the country what what is what does that mean? A new political party for the working class? Isn't that supposed to be Sinn Fein now? It used to be Fianna Fáil, didn't it? We had Matt Cathy last week on on the Tonight Show, and I was absolutely dismayed at what he said. He went to reduce the threshold of inheritance from three thirty five to two hundred or two fifty. Now, any house in the country at the moment is worth in excess of two fifty. So, if you have one child and you decide to leave that child to your sibling, why should they have to pay? tax on that of 35% capital gains tax. Yeah, yeah. I think Neil Martin like, kicked that one to touch, didn't he? But Sinn Féin yeah, might but bring it, it back. Yeah. But it's still too low, Neil. In 2008, all statistics, 
It was. You could be five hundred and fifty thousand to your loved ones, sons or daughters, yeah. whoever, without having without them having to pay any tax. Then it got which, reduced which, to three thirty five. Yeah, which is right because people don't remember, people should remember. You you pay interest on your mortgage. You pay stamp duty on your house. You must pay insurance on your life through the throughout the, the time of your mortgage. I know what you're gonna say. You've paid it already. Yeah. You paid it. And you've you've paid more. Yeah. You've paid more. And how dare these guys come along and say they're entitled? to 35% of anything above a certain threshold. Would you be afraid of Sinn Féin if you had a few bob? I would. Yeah, yeah. I think anybody with a second or third house would certainly be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the policies are all wrong. I think they mean well. But I, I think they run the country into the ground. Well, it looks inevitable that they will get a shot at it, though. Unless ordinary people get together and form a national party for working-class people that can stop this train running away because it's a runaway train at the moment. All right, okay. We've a runaway train at the moment. Thanks, Tony. Let me talk to John. John, good morning. Hello, good morning, Neil. This is an address to the elderly, is it? Well, you see, it's all very well now talking about, as that man there was talking about, starting a new party and everything. I'm more interested in how can I, as an individual, take on these energy companies? What can I do against them Forget politicians, forget Mick Barry and the rest of them. When I get a bill in the door, how am I going to handle that? Now, a lot of elderly people, they get a bill for about 120, 130, whatever, maybe 150. Oh, my God, I owe BSB 150. They rush out and pay the 150 straight away. Mm. Don't. Don't. Pay by installment. Drag it out. Let them sweat for it. That's the way to handle it. Pay fifty, pay twenty, pay thirty. You're paying your bill. They but the bill, but the off. only problem with that is the bill continues yeah. to rise. Then, and you're only chipping away at it. And before you know it, you've got a very, very big bill. Well, there is that point. All right, I agree there. But at the same time, it takes the pressure off you for the present. Meantime, then you will hope the government will step in and alleviate the situation. You know. Now, this you morning, know. I don't know. Did you are you aware of this? that the energy companies have, or certain energy companies, have increased the standing charge. They have, yeah, yeah. It could be anywhere between an extra 300, uh, between 300 and 700 a year. Yeah, well, I'm just sitting there now, I was joking between you and Pat Kenny, he was interviewing Pascal Donoghue. Yeah. And he asked him about this. And all Pascal Donoghue said was, well, maybe the cost of equipment is going up. I mean, that's a ridiculous response from the government. They're utterly supine, you know. They're, they're just lying down to everything. They're what? just... I don't know what's wrong with them. Why, are, just, why are energy companies just allowed to do whatever they want and make up any kind of price are? increases that they wish to do so that allows the ESB to make €2 million Euro profit every single day? You look at the ESB yeah. profits now, right? Um, yeah, yeah. In January yeah. to June of this year, the ESB made a profit of... 357 million euro. That's in six months, January to June. If you look at their entire figure for last year, the ESB made a profit of 679 million. And the year before that, in 2020, they made a profit of 616 million. I know, sure, yeah. I mean, they're obscene profits. They are, but the question that I'm asking is why are the government not doing anything? 
what is wrong with them, like? Are, 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 they seem to be totally paralysed. They're like a rabbit in a headlight. Yeah, can't you disagree know? with that. They, can't they, can't, they can't seem to know what... They're, they're merely reactive rather than proactive, in other words. All right, my man, thanks but for that. I yeah. just wanted to say that to elderly people, not to worry, to just pay what they can afford, but don't let themselves short. Okay, okay, words of All advice. Right. Thank you, John. Thank you, Tony. Maggie, good morning. Good morning. Do you take in students... Yes. Okay. Would that be like in a digs situation? Um, yes. Okay. How does it work? Um, well, basically, you get onto um, either UCC or NTU, right. and uh, you register yourself, and you give them all your details, um, where you live, etc., um, how many rooms you have, what you have availability, washing, etc., etc. Okay. Um, and then um, you go on the list. Okay. What's offered then, say, typically, and how much would it cost? Because digs were very, very popular years ago, not just for college, but I remember in our own case, years and years ago, um, an awful lot of fellas came down to Cork to learn to work for a Post and Telegraph, so work for the ESB or the gas company. And they trained in Cork and they stayed in family homes and they got all their meals provided and their, you know, their beds changed and everything. And they'd stay for months on end. Is, is it much changed from that scenario? Um, no, nothing's changed except most people don't do uh, meals. Okay, okay, right. Um, I think a lot of that is because uh, p- children are, well, people are different now because they go out different times, they socialise after school, they eat at different times, they eat a lot differently. You could have celiac, you could have vegetarian. Oh, sure, I know, it's a different landscape. Years ago, and they had the same dinner as the family had. At the time, at the yeah. same time. At the same time. Um, they were well yeah. fed. Yeah, it was yeah. a win-win for everybody. So, yeah. so, so no meals. Like okay, no, no meals. Right. No. Okay. No. So the, um, that would be so the bedroom and the use of the bathroom, is it? Well, bedroom, bathroom, um, watch television. They could have their own television. It, it's it, it's home. Home from home. Okay. Yeah. And that's in my house. And the cost. Uh, 160 to 170. Uh, I rang up UCC this year and asked them um, what uh, has the the money gone up or what is the average, and they told me um, 160 to 180. Okay, so you stuck to yes what the college recommended. Yes, which would be what 170. Yes, 160, 100, 170. Yes. Okay, so change and, out of uh, 700 a month then. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, five, okay. I think it's 500. Okay. Well, it's well. Okay. Well, five. Okay, but that doesn't work out at one hundred and seventy uh, a week. But is that Monday to Friday then? No, Monday. That's seven days. Oh right, because I heard from yeah. some students saying that it was just Monday to Friday. You couldn't stay at the weekend. No, no. I mean, that's why I came on because I there is many people I know like myself, and we do take seven day uh, seven day students. Well, that's that's value and then. Yes, and that's why I'm saying we're, not everybody is insisting that students stay for five days. And I have heard of a, a, a friend of mine whose daughter um, had a similar incident and she was told that she couldn't come back on the Monday morning. Um, but saying that, it's seven days. But would that and be the exception, home. I wonder, with Diggs, that it would be seven days? Or is it more likely to be like your daughter's friend who was told... You go on Friday and come back on Sunday night, or maybe even Monday morning. Well, as I said, I just know people that I know, and we're all the same. Yeah. Now, there are people out there, I know for a fact, 
the same as there are landlords, a lot of landlords out there that are insisting that, yes, they can only stay five days and are charging that. Yeah. But your um, conscience wouldn't allow that, is it? No, it wouldn't. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. I think of my own children. Plus, I think of parents. I'm a parent myself. And what the cost of living is even irrelevant of this year. And it's just putting your kids to school and trying to get them an education. And my children did that. Yeah, yeah. And I look upon it as, look, I'm not being selfish. That's what I say. I do their washing and everything for them. And as I said, they're home from home. They're safe. And as far as I'm concerned, it's fair. It's a fair price. Wouldn't it be lovely if there were more like you? There are people like me. I'm not only the only person like this. Mm. I know other people and they charge the same. And as I said, you will get people, and I have no doubt there are people out there that do take advantage. And I mean, I like that. I would never, in my children, well, sorry, they're not my children, the students that I have, they have all their own rooms. They have, their own, they have a bathroom between, between them. I don't even use that bathroom. And they all have fine, big rooms. Okay, okay. Would you encourage more um, people to get involved? I mean, is it all tax-free and, and everything? It is, yes. Um, it can earn up to 14000 uh, without paying tax on yeah, it. Yeah, that's fabulous. Um, now, saying that, as I said, there are a lot of people who have rooms out there. Um, and you, you, set your, you set your boundaries. Um, I do, um, like a set of rules, just, just being respectful to each other. Um, that's not to, you know, they're, they're adults, so you're not their mother. And they're adults. So it goes both ways. You're not being mollycoddled at the same time. Do you, do you vet the students beforehand? Because um, you wouldn't want them coming in shouting and roaring and bawling at three in the morning or anything like that or bringing people back. Oh, no, I don't. I mean, you can't vet somebody, if you know what I mean, because it comes through the system. But saying that, um, I only take a week's deposit. So you're not obliged to keep a student they're they not to, under contract or anything like that. They have no, to be on the ball then. Yes, but you'd meet them. You kind of get a fair idea of somebody when okay. you meet them. Okay. I'd always insist on meeting them or chatting to them and stuff like that. But saying that, you know, thank God, Chip Wood, I've always been a good judgment of people. Good stuff. But um, like that, they, they have to obey kind of, um, or obey, you know, beside whatever the word I'm looking for. And that is kind of, you know, you can't come in at three o'clock in the morning and start slamming doors. You can come in at three o'clock if you want, but <laughs> be a mouse coming in. Coming quietly. And I, I do things like that, the same as I say, the toilet roll is for the toilet only. Oh, that kind of thing. Because you, you could spend 170 euros on toilet paper otherwise in the week. What else? You know, what the hell are they using it for if it's not in the Everything. Past? Everything. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it's it, it's funny, but it's true. Um, it's just things that it's, you make it funny for them to know that it's not, you cannot do this, you cannot do I that. I hear you. Thing, I hear you. you well, know? keep it up. You're making a big difference. Fair play to you. Thanks, Maggie. Not at all. And there's many other people out there. Like well, maybe, jo- the maybe Georgia, oh, you're full anyway, but maybe Georgia may relook again at having to spend <laughs> two and a half hours in the morning and two and a half hours yeah, in the evening crazy. commuting from Charleville. Yeah, yeah it is yeah, crazy. It's crazy. It's Thanks, crazy. Maggie. Very good, a, lot of, a lot of good people out there. Thank you. And you're one of them. Yeah. Alice, good morning. Hi. Why good are people morning. complaining about kids leaving the country, is it? Yes, I am complaining about the kids leaving the country for the simple reason. There's a problem in this country about the higher Irish. Not every student is 
just likes the Irish and maybe when they're completed their their leaving cert and gone on to college they realise they want to be teachers, primary teachers. Then they haven't got the, uh, the higher Irish. They're very intelligent people. They have got A's and B's and maths. I have two nieces. One of them has got a teaching job in Richmond in Surrey. And the other girl is teaching in Brighton. Okay. And they're in England because of this thing of have to have the higher Irish. Do we really need the higher Irish? The higher Irish means that if you haven't got it, you can't teach in Ireland, is it? No. Okay. That would be primary teaching. And both of them are, both of them got very, very good should I say points in their leaving cert. And the same thing, we're losing nurses because of it. We're losing young people. They're going elsewhere to train as nurses, not because of Irish, but because of the point system. Yeah. yeah. Because I maintain myself. I was a nurse. I went to England. I trained in England. I was delighted. And I think it was the best thing, Neil. And it is lovely to speak to you, And Neil. you too. And did you nurse Very, for a long time in England? I nursed for a considerable length of time. And unfortunately... My husband was very anxious to come back to Ireland, and I sh- I'm so sorry. It was the biggest mistake I think I ever made. Why? Oh, I don't know. We had great facilities in, in, in Great Britain. I, was, I loved the Great Britain. I did. I did, really. Yes, I did. There was a lot of... I know maybe not everybody would agree with me in, under those circumstances, but... See, there goes now. My family are in Great Britain, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, no matter what we say or do, they seem to be quite happy there. Okay, yeah. Did you you come back here in retirement? No, no, no. I came back here and then I worked for a while in Cork. I was a nurse in the South Infirmary and in um, St. Fenberg. And was it very different then, the St. Yes, I think so. The two Cork hospitals by comparison to the UK hospitals. Mm -hmm. How? That's right. But the higher Irish is the main problem with most of these students. I know some students like the higher Irish, but see, when we came back, my, my family, unfortunately, they didn't want to do Irish because they don't see the point in it. When do you use Irish? God save us. Do we ever hear it? Mm, I know. It's a, pity, it's a pity that more people don't speak Irish, though, isn't it? Ah, uh, well, but you know, maybe. Maybe not. Mm. What mm. about Spanish, French? Yeah, but no, I, I mean, Spanish, French? That you know, Sp- Spanish is different. Irish is our native tongue, just like... It's our native tongue, like and Scottish, I appreciate Like the Scottish people have a native tongue, to and the Welsh have a native tongue, but we wouldn't be saying that they should abolish them either, you know? But not everybody should have to have it if they want to be a primary teacher. Okay. And did you find the nursing different here when you came home from the UK? Yes. All right. Not in a good way? No. Yeah. In what way? And I was in hospital recently. And I didn't say it for a couple of days. I thought it... It is difficult to get around this one. Yes, there were some very nice young nurses there, and I asked them, were they going to stay in Ireland? And out of seven, five told me they had jobs got in Great Britain. And they were going. And Australia. And they were going. Oh, yes, they said in, in, in January they go. 
okay. Yeah, it's happened and, way um, too often now, these kind of stories of people who are just... You know, leaving. and that is the truth, and there was a couple of young doctors there, and you're waiting to get out. Waiting to do their, to finish their job experience and yeah. to do their, finish their internship and, uh-huh. and what have you, just to go. Yeah. 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 And you see, what okay. I found was, I wouldn't be a difficult patient, but I was treated as one. Why? I asked a simple question one day. I wanted to go to the bathroom and I was brought this mobile and I said, please, just take me by the arm and I will go to the toilet myself. And she said in pretty good English, you do what I say. Was that actually said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And what, what, was, what was being offered? Is it like... Um, you know, the commode thing. A commode in a cubicle, is it? No, just pushed it over by my bed. Because I had been very ill and I wasn't great on my feet, but my son and daughter used to come and help me. And on top of that, my son taped some of those nurses making different comments. And (laughs) I said to him, please don't don't do anything about it. He recorded them? Yeah. Mm, Did they know he was recording them? He told them. Yeah. Um, Because when he came to collect me... He was packing my bag and they said, uh, you do not do that. You do the hall porter do that. The packing of the bag. I said, my son is doing it. Mm. Do you think it gets gets more difficult as you get older, the way people treat you? uh, It doesn't cost anything to be nice to a patient. But what I think is the point system is wrong. Because if you want to be a nurse, a nurse is a special person. But those that take nursing because they didn't get something else. Mm. They mightn't be suited to it. No. Yeah. They mightn't have the, 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 the skills or the people skills. No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, and I thought it was a very poor day when I, pre- I respect those that wash and cleaned and tidied the, the ward when they kind of say to you, if you don't do this or if you don't do that, that lady will get very hard on you, which was one of the nurses. You almost felt as afraid then, did you? I said, you know what I do? I would sign myself up. Okay, okay. Yeah? Okay. Tough call. Thanks, Alice. Lines open. Text 0868 I'm quite sure that that in itself will get other people talking about treatment within our hospital system. Pick up the phone 0818 Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Yeah, a lot of calls, texts and emails and what have you. But in spite of all of that, some lighthearted fun as well. Monday munchies every single Monday morning with offbeat donuts on French Church Street. They just opened the new store a week ago on French Church Street, offbeat donuts. And they have another big box of them. And the Red Patrollers will deliver a box of 12 donuts or maybe even more to either the workplace or somebody's home. But we want to know, how was your weekend? What did you get up to? Text 0868104106. Text like this. Yvonne says, I became a tourist in my own city. Love to chat with Yvonne about that, actually. She says, myself and, my f- and four of my girlfriends did a fab-free walking tour of our city on Saturday at midday with a lovely guide, call- a lovely guide called Nessa. She runs regular tours of the city. 
These are free walking tours. We stood among people of all nationalities and we listened and watched. Uh, We go away for weekends and do these tours, but realized we hardly knew our own city. I highly recommend it. I learned loads about the colourful history of Cork. Fantastic thing you did on Saturday at midday. They're the kind of texts I'm talking about. Text 0868104106. How was your weekend and how did things go? Also, right across this week, uh, the, new, the uh, Furniture Centre in Blackpool are on board with daily prizes every day this week of 500 euro vouchers for the furniture store on the Watercourse Road. I'll tell you a little bit more about that um, as we go through the morning. But um, they've been in business for over 40 years now. Uh, a lot of their produce is Irish made. Uh, some of it is imported, but, you know, you're looking at custom made uh, sofas from Navin and uh, Irish mattresses and stuff like that. So we'll tell you more about it later on this morning. A 500 euro voucher every day this week. So uh, hang in there for that. Uh, listening to your show, I feel I have to say that I don't know uh, that guy, Anthony, who was on the air with you on Friday morning, but certainly feel I know him from listening to the show. Have to say, I enjoy listening to him and, he fe- and feel he is lovely. And I nearly always agree with his sentiments and his remarks whatever the topic. Very sincere, a very sensible chap. It's also nice to hear him praising the Gardaí with a word of thanks, the way the guards looked after people last week around the College Road, in spite of a bit of parting. Too many people don't know how to say thank you anymore. Mind you, Anthony did get in touch with me by email, he says, following our conversation Friday morning. I was both surprised and amazed by your reaction to my contribution. You clearly have a problem with the royal family and people from the UK. You dismissed a caller who said she admired the Queen's work. You said, work? In a sarcastic tone. You also glossed over the points I made about Eamon de Valera. The Queen didn't ever expect she would take on the role at the age of 25 when her father died, a role he didn't want either that was thrust on him when his brother um, abdicated to marry Mrs. Simpson in the 1930s version of Meghan Markle. Uh, the woman worked for 70 years, uh, um, 70 years, days before her death she was working. She agreed at the new prime minister, all the palaces and the wealth would never appeal to me if from the day I was born until the day I died, I would never have a minute's privacy, says Anthony. Well, you, you are entitled to, to say the things you've said. I certainly do not have an issue, as you claim, with people from the UK. That's a million miles away from how I process and think. Uh, the royal family isn't my royal family, so I don't really have any kind of a, an opinion as to uh, whether or not uh, I'd wish this to be a monarchy or a republic. Uh, it's a republic, but I wish it was a republic where all people were treated equally. Uh, with regards to me, Hall Martin, attending the funeral of the late Queen, it was nice to see him with the President uh, and Mrs Higgins in St Anne's Cathedral, Belfast, for the service of reflection. But would someone tell him to respect himself and please wear a dark grey or navy jacket or suit? Not a bright blue one. I, I wouldn't think he's wearing a bright bright blue uh, suit this morning. He is representing Ireland at the funeral where heads of all countries and religious dominations from all over the world are attending. I have great respect and admiration for Michal Martin. Uh, I think if this was an American president, it would look so differently. It's just because it's the UK that people are upset. Many English people live in this country now and we should respect them the same way that we expect the English to respect our Irish who live in the UK or Northern Ireland. Many, including my own family members, are very thankful for the good lives they've been able to live and the families they have reared 
thanks to the UK. Uh, just a couple of texts. Text 0868104106. Paddy picks up on that point about me questioning the Queen as to whether it was real work. Uh, Paddy says, is your work work, Neil? Do you break a sweat when you're working? Do you work under pressure to meet deadlines? Your work could be considered to be easier work than any royal family member. At least they have to travel. You sit on your arse. Or am I being unkind, says Paddy. No, I don't believe you're unkind. Maybe others do, but I think you're entitled to your opinion. You just join many people in my family who believe the very same as you. I can't win. <laughs> Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Bobby says, in case you didn't know it, the government policy now is to emigrate the voting youth. Get them out. The party lemmings and their siblings uh, look after them. Party before people, says Bobby. Uh, can I please ask you what's wrong with voting for Sinn Féin? Absolutely nothing in the wide earthly world. Are you thinking that I was suggesting that there was? Uh, I was at a protest on. I was at the protest on Saturday. Great to see so many people. I left when students asked to speak, as it made a mockery out of things. I wouldn't attend again, says Pat. Um, I don't know why students shouldn't be allowed to speak. I mean, they will be inheriting the country and the mess that it's in. Uh, To the people who think the government should build and give them homes for nothing, I can tell you there won't be three bedroom semis. Look at former Warsaw Pact states to see what free social housing will look like in the future. There'll be huge grey concrete monoliths with one and two bedroom flats housing thousands and thousands of people. Housing isn't a right. People need to remember that. It is a personal responsibility. Paddy's suggesting that uh, if it's isn't a right and it's a personal responsibility, that everybody should be fending for themselves and finding and earning their own homes. Uh, But how can you work that one out when, you know, the money that people earn doesn't go anywhere near um, getting a a deposit or getting a mortgage or being able to make repayments on a house in Ireland or a home in Ireland anymore? Uh, Unless you're a TD, they're saying, well, the average salary is 101,000 plus the extras. It's a great country for them, but not for the rest of us, says Pat. Back to the phone lines we go. Mick Moriarty is the Baldy Barber and can remember a massive PAYE march that made a difference. Unfortunately, it wasn't today or yesterday. Mick, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I know you weren't in a position to get to Saturday's march because you had a business to run. uh, No, I could have went there, but I had no no interest because I think the wrong people are organising it. I think the likes of the unions should be involved in this, getting the workers out, all the people out, like they did in 1979. And I I think I was a PRA worker for one day. I, I left my father's shop in 1968 and I went out to Shell for one day. And I got more money working for one day in Shell than I got for the whole week off my father. Why did you go back? Time. Why didn't you stay down there? Nah, I, when I came home, my mother said to me, my father got no dinner, he got no break yesterday in the shop at Merchanski. And I, she said, would you please go to work? So I did. But were, you guilty? were you guilted? You're a damn fine barber and have ran a great business and your dad did before you, but were you kind of guilted into staying? No, no, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't really. I, I, just, I was in protest with my father because I said... Uh, there's a certain shop up the or shops up the up the city were a lot earlier than we were, and I said, "Dad, you have to put up the prices." But he paid me my trade union pay. Yeah. So I had no fight with him. Yeah. But yeah. I said, "You're you're you're losing money." Like children in, in in one or two shops wouldn't be cut on a Saturday, and I remember a woman coming in from Blarney with her three children, and she said, "Look, my husband will collect them after." I said, "Great." 
and say, where's she gone for a point? No, no, she's she's gone to such a place for a haircut because they don't cut children on Saturday. <laughs> no, I You're always like a babysitter as well as everything else. Exactly. So I turned around and I said, but supposing we didn't cut the children on a Saturday, right? I said, I said, so what day would you bring your children for a haircut? I never thought of that. No, she's yeah. Well, I no, remember we, your dad we, and you before you, before him as a young fellow. I used to sit up on a plank of wood. He had and a plank, I still have it. <laughs> he had a plank I of wood that he'd it. put across the chair, right? That's right. Because I, I was too small. They're all, they're all padded now. The two were padded. <laughs> and I still have two cushions from the old timber chairs that he had in number 20, Merchant's Key. Down on Merchant's Key, garlic. upstairs. Yeah. That's right, upstairs. Happy right. days. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah, yeah. So there'd be no money in cutting kids' hair on a Saturday afternoon. Well, see, it was a half a crown for, for a, a, a man. And it was one and six or a shilling for a child. Yeah. So every child you caught, you were losing. You were losing. Yeah. 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 You know. So like, I mean, I but yet one shop up the up up up, up the what they call is it that guy? No, well, Frank's. They were owned by a company by Bosgraves, I think. Yeah. Uh, Smith's or Smith's, uh, Smiths, I think at the time, but they didn't cut children on a Saturday. So we, we were lo- we were losing money all the time. I said, Dad, you can't be like that. I said. You know, you know, I mean, it's the same job in the story. Here's an interesting... Yeah, okay, I have an email I want to read for you before you go. Yeah, okay, so the, the PAYE protest. Oh, yeah, it was like the whole country now, Neil. It was just what in Cork. And I can tell you, within a couple of months, the government, the, all of the politicians changed our attitude. But that was organised by SIP2 and the whole lot. And today, I'm still a, a union person, even though I'm self-employed. I was going to Joe Callan number seven branch and Mary the secretary every two months, three months. Is there any wage increase or is anything coming? Because I didn't want to leave any of my workers down. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But the unions don't seem to have the same bite anymore. No, no, no. And the unions themselves have left the people down badly in our country because there are workers being exploited. Big Barry and all these lads, they're around about 11, 20, 11, 30, right? I was talking to a friend of mine the other day this 80 cent extra, I was trying to find out about it, will only come into play, Neil, if you're working full time. Yeah, yeah. So if you're only doing 16 hours, you won't get the extra 80 cent. Yeah, yeah. So a lot that's of Duns, really, a lot of Duns workers it wouldn't apply to, for instance. That, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I know. That yeah. is very, very wrong. Yeah. Personally, I think the minimum wage should be 15 euro an hour. Okay, have, have a listen to this before I let you go. Um, gives me an opportunity to read this on air, and it's from a hairdresser. He says, I'd like to bring a massive issue which is growing rapidly in barbering. I have my own business, and in my area, I've seen decrease in customers over the past few months, especially on a Saturday. That's the day we were talking about, Mick. Saturday, which uh, are normally very busy. I've spoken to other hairdresser business owners who are in the same situation. It is happening all over the city. You have young lads who are doing a quick barbering course and then setting up their own shed at home and cutting hair. I'm not against people doing a few of their buddies' hair, and you see some barbers go and they get experience in a barber shop, which is at least something. But I'm based out in Blarney, and it's getting ridiculous now. These guys are bragging online constantly how busy they are, encouraging people to contact them online for haircuts. I'm here in my salon paying staff, rent, ESB, rates, and I have to pay a mortgage. I can't compete with this anymore. I could lose my business. I've been paying my taxes year in, year out, and rates and everything else. They're paying no bills at all. They're easily cutting 30 heads a week, if not more. 
parents or homeowners need to be held accountable. They should be made register as self-employed and pay their share. It's very unfair. Surely we who pay staff, rent, rates and taxes need more protection. Um, That's from Gordon Walsh Hare, Oliver Keane Hare and Cuts Cuts by Sean. Um, I wonder if these are some of the people that they're talking about online. But what what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, Neil, I was getting a job done in my house uh, last year, and the guy who said to me he, that his son had set up a place in the back of his house doing hair cutting, right? And I won't tell his profession because it'd be known very easy. But I said, have you got public liability? He says, what do you mean? He said, if anybody comes into the back of your house, I said, and falls, I said, they'll be claiming off you, not off your son. He said, I never thought of it. Yeah, but what, and, what, and what if they do, though? Maybe they do have insurance, and, and no, maybe, me, maybe the people he that he's critical of... He's a big business man himself. He said, Mick, I have no public liability for the barbershop in the back of the house. All right. He but said, maybe maybe the people that this hairdresser in Blarney is critical of are paying taxes. Oh, they are. They would be. You no, know maybe, maybe, maybe. But I, I, I doubt it, because they're not, they're not registered. Mm. And what's this business of a quick barbering course? How can you do a quick barbering course? A a load of bull. I could use more words only, but a load of bull. And I can tell you, they're very lucky now that they all use the clippers and leave big heads of hair on top. It's actually the very same haircut as the Beatles, if you look at it, if you leave the hair grow along. Because they all have full fringes and the whole lot. You see, there's no, there's no actual talent in that kind of cutting. There is that. If you hand them a cutthroat razor, to do something with it, razor cut it, and that's what I call razor cutting, not a machine. Oh, I never had that before, and you're qualified. And I can tell you, the, the people who are doing these courses, and I don't give a damn who they are, and they're giving certificate, certificates to these young people saying you're qualified to go on the floor. Yes, they won't employ them in their own premises. They send them off someplace else to get more experience. Mm. But how, for, how long would it take to be a qualified barber. I know a hairdresser could be anywhere between three and five years, right? Yeah, yeah long old was three to seven years. It was seven, five to seven years. Now in three, in three years. I would definitely think uh, at, in the present day with uh, young people, they, because they get their friends to practice and all that, if a person has any way, they're, they're very talented. You could see it. You could see it in some people. They'd be, talented, they'd be qualified. They'd be there in 12 months. I would think so. Really? I would say, yeah. I saw a girl being trained and I thought she was fantastic, Christine O'Leary. And I, she was only six months at it. I thought she was about three years at it. And she's down in Glenmire now, as far as I know. I'm flying. And, she, yeah. and she, I, she was training in Blades at the time. And I was asked to come into an exam for, for two or three months later. And I said, this girl is very, very good. How long she had it? Six months. She had it in her hands and that was it. A very skillful person. Which is not something you learn that. in an online course in a couple of days or a week or two. Like. Well, you, you can pick up certain things, but you wouldn't know because right. you must have someone show you how to get out of the, the, the system if you make a gap and things like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. of course, Neil, if you look at some of the haircuts, they're shocking. <laughs> I wouldn't know, are they? Can you tell? Oh, woeful. I was up in, I was up in the hairdresser federation above in the, the hairdresser thing uh, three weeks ago. And the one of the said to me from Dublin, Karen Devon, he says, see, See, would you pass that as a haircut? And this was a young fella who was a trainee hairdresser. And I don't know who cut his hair, <laughs> but it was absolutely low. I had to go up and talk to him. Maybe it's the, the new, said, maybe it's the new style. Absolutely shocking. 
Only they push it. Like the more gaps you have, though, the better. It's all mullets now, isn't it? <laughs> There's a mullet coming back down. That was just 35 years ago. <laughs> all right. Uh, you know? Look after yourself, pal. Out of time. Text 0868104106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national, and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench. That's the Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show Alice is right The lady who nursed in the UK The country's a joke I'm honestly thinking of moving to another country very soon I was in Bantry Hospital And they refused to let me use the toilet It was a commode again The best thing in this country is the airport To get us out of here Love listening to you every day Great job Yeah, but we don't want to have too much negativity And doom and gloom It's I know it's tough But... Desperately trying to accentuate the positive, given the opportunity. Uh, My dad is a retired professional with a university degree and had to have fluent Irish for interviews, which he never, ever required for his job afterwards. Alice is right. It's a total waste of hard work and time for him. Uh, Tony says, by the way, if anybody is interested in setting up a new political group or party, please pass them on my mobile number. And then the royal funeral is happening. I have it here on the screen in front of me. It's a lead casket, a lead coffin. That's why it takes so many people to to lift it. It is a ton weight. Um, But one person says, I'm so disappointed that Pat O'Connell, the fishmonger of the English market, was not invited to the funeral of Queen Elizabeth. I thought King Charles would have personally invited him since the impression he made on Her Majesty when she visited the market in 2011. Pat must be devastated and I'm disappointed. Interesting, uh, it was a question that I put to Pat O'Connell following the death of the Queen. He was on air with me and he said no. I was saying, are you expecting to be invited? He said no, that won't happen. It's uh, worse, the effect that it's a a closed chapter and uh, there will be... Um, probably no more contact now since the Queen has passed away. His relationship was personally with um, him. Uh, strange to hear the great Republican Neil talking down the royal family. On another station, he spoke of his great admiration for Winston Churchill, the man who, as Home Secretary, sent us the Black and Tans and the Auxiliaries. It's somebody with quite a, a long memory there. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. And I was talking earlier on with the contributor who was talking about why is it that one day, uh, earlier in the year, all of a sudden, COVID was no more? Um, emailer says, uh, I'm a young man in my late 20s uh, and I'm suffering with what I think is long COVID symptoms uh, since March. Uh, not sure, but um, uh, I know I had COVID in January, started off with mild symptoms, but it just is getting worse over time. Symptoms uh, come and go. Some of them remain present all day, every day, like Constant lightheadedness, constant shortness of breath, weakness and fatigue, coughing, feeling like I'm going to faint when I'm walking. Um, So this is an example, of course, of, you know, long COVID. I've been sent to the GP repeatedly. Unfortunately, no answers, no diagnosis. I've had CT scans, chest X-rays, MRIs, bloods, all done, all coming back clear, which is positive. But the symptoms are only getting worse. I've even spent 24 hours in A&E, eventually seen by a cardiologist because I had palpitations, um, which I no longer have, may I add. All the tests carried out showed I was clear from a cardiology point of view. So now I live with this and I don't know where to turn. Can't get any answers. Extremely frustrated. Is there anyone else perhaps out there with symptoms like mine? Have they any idea how to sort this condition I have? Uh, I'm really struggling with this. 
um, because it's gone on so long and to have no answers or help, it is preventing me from living my life properly. And there's an example of long COVID if there ever was one. And while people struggle to try and make ends meet and we heard of a massive supermarket chain in Ireland changing all of the price tags on all of their items over the past week or two. Is it profiteering? Is it opportunism? Are they entitled to some increase because, say, fuel has gone up and energy costs and utilities, all that kind of thing? A lovely text came in from West Cork saying, every time I'm in Cork City, I stock up at Peg Toomey's shop on the Colquay. Most products are only a fraction of the shop price because they might be close to or indeed out of date, but are still perfect. I've gotten big boxes of Uncle, ben, Uncle Ben's rice, big boxes of Cheerios breakfast cereal for only a pound, a euro, bars of chocolate, five for a euro, packets of biscuits, three for a euro. They could have dog food or toothpaste as well as food there. Everything's a tiny fraction of the shop price and is still perfect to eat. Plus, the people working there are lovely and friendly. I'm from West Cork, before you ask, and I love calling to Peg Toomey's shop in the Colquay for bags of bargains. Thank you for that. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. With regards to the Monday munchies, every Monday you have an opportunity to scoop for yourself a big box of donuts that we give away every Monday morning from Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street. Um, how was the weekend? What did you do? A question I would put to Lydia. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. What did you do? I had an amazing mor- or, uh, weekend. Um, so my best friend, Caitlin Quinlan, flew back from America on Friday with her new fiancé, Jade Brady. Brand and new. I'm absolutely over the moon from. So we went celebrating the weekend. Where? We were in Cove. We went to the Titanic. That's a good spot. I hear the food's got very good there, is it? But we were just for drinks now because we were celebrating. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want to see another glass of Prosecco until the wedding. (laughs) Prosecco is very much a women's drink, would you say? I think it is. I I don't know too many men that drink it. No, no. And would there be, if you have too much of it, is there a hell of a hangover? Well, my head was banging on Saturday morning, so I definitely felt a glass of Prosecco. It goes down easy, doesn't it? Absolutely, too easy. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but I'm absolutely over the moon for them. They're where, where, an amazing couple. Did they get engaged here or in the States? No, in the, in the States. They're on a helicopter ride in New Orleans I and they came it. back with it. the rings on the fingers. And is she, is Caitlin a, a car girl? She is, she's from Cole. So did you grow up together, go to school together and everything? Yeah, we're best friends in school. Well, I'm delighted for her, and I'm de- I know there's a price to be paid for a night out or a day out. Uh, but you paid that price on Sunday, I'd say yesterday, was it? Definitely, but it was worth it. Yeah, it every was worth minute. it. Okay, okay. You next, I suppose, is it? Oh God, don't don't say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lydia. What is the story? I mean, like, Prosecco would be very much female, wouldn't it? Because um, I'm just wondering as well, you know, you know, people who drink cocktails. Yeah, like cocktails would be women primarily. I'm not saying that men don't drink cocktails, but it would be primarily the domain of women, wouldn't it? Cocktails, Prosecco, things like that. I'd say that's, that's probably... 
that's the stereotypical yeah. one. I can hear you, yeah. You're grand. Um, yeah. So, I don't know, like, I don't like Prosecco at all. I think it gives me a desperate uh, stomach. What about cocktails? I love a good cocktail. Once it's well made, yeah. So what's the popular one now? Oh, God. Um, I'm going to say that it's the coffee... Yeah, espresso martini. Espresso martini. <laughs> love espresso martini. Uh, porn star martini is also a very, very popular one. Um, and then a lot of people love old fashions. Now, they're really strong. Whis- that's a really strong whiskey. That's a whiskey one, one, is it? Yeah, really yeah, strong yeah. one. Um, or but do you socialise in places where a lot of cocktails will be consumed? They are such a popular thing at the moment. Like, it's 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 a... I think that bars are missing out if they don't have a cocktail menu, to be honest, because yep. so many people are looking for them. Not and, geez, the average right. price you're paying, 12, 13 euro in places for cocktails. Yeah, there's a handy markup on them. But who's drinking them then? I think everyone is. Men? Yeah, men are drinking cocktails as well. There's there's one for everyone. And I think that, you know, that stereotype of like, oh, it's a lady's cocktail and things like that. I don't know. I think things like that are just thrown. Are men drinking Prosecco, though? Or pints? I wouldn't say that they're drinking Prosecco so much. Um, Now, if if you gave me the choice between a glass of Prosecco or a pint of Murphy's I would go with a pint of Murphy's <laughs> <laughs> you know whereas a man might not so there you go it can go both ways <laughs> you can break down cocktails as well by calorie content you know and people that some of them I don't have the actual details of which ones hmm. but if you like some of them are like 550 calories really? co- yeah so oh, wow. if you go out and you have four or five of them mm-hmm. That's, that's a bit intense. That's your, in, that's your entire daily calorie content gone already. Yeah, because I suppose you do have the cocktails, regardless of, say, alcohol content, but you have the ones with the egg white in them. Would they be high in calories? I don't well, know. Well, you got or the white Russian and white the black Russian. Russian. Yeah, cream as well. You know, all these kinds of things goes into them. But sure, look, we're I'm just a trying good to time. work out whether, <laughs> it's, whether men are drinking them or whether it's still women primarily. It's something Cocktails? to ask your no. listeners. Sure. <clears throat> do you remember we went into the electric there recently? for the um, yeah but that was the specific night where you know the people could only get a cocktail <laughs> were men well, well I'm sure if you, I'm sure if you went downstairs they'd have facilitated you downstairs but are men drinking cocktails or is I it the domain of women yeah no, no they are Negroni's no. old fashions margaritas definitely really yeah okay I'd say so. the pint of lager and the packet of crisps. You start with those, you see, and then you get fancy by the end of the night and you're on the cocktail. And if nobody sees you drinking it, there's no calories. <laughs> you know, you're, you're sorted there. How <laughs> oh, did I get onto that? Oh, she's drinking Prosecco down yeah, in, yeah, t- yeah. in Titanic. All right, appreciate that. Let me go back to my phone lines. Jump in on the conversation if you wish. wish. Text 0868104106. Do men drink cocktails? Anna, good morning. Hiya. So, how, how was your weekend? Oh, it was amazing. I don't know, did you get the videos there? But we went to Tequila Jack's for the um, Mexican Independence Festival. Oh, wow. When was that, Saturday? It was this Saturday, yeah. Um, and it was on the boardwalk. It was amazing because we just got such good weather. I couldn't believe, you know, like the sun was actually beating down on us. And So I see Aztecs uh, dancing on the boardwalk there, do I? I know, yeah. That that was just the, the highlight for me anyway, was seeing all of the traditional dancing. But they had everything, like they had a big uh, barbecue stall and there was all Mexican sweets, which were very heavy on tamarind I don't know what they were <laughs> I gave them to my son not and everybody's my nephew, cup of tea but the food like would have been great though would it <laughs> oh it was fantastic and the entertainment they had um, loads of circuses um, a girls circus that was also kind of sciencey as well and um, jugglers everything like they had brilliant stuff there I'm seeing I, a I lot of th- I'm seeing some videos from the inside as well is there a big Mexican yes. fraternity in Cork 
Um, well, I mean, I can. I, I don't know many Mexicans myself, but yeah. I know that my um, nephew, he has friends in his class that are from Mexico, and, I mean, the place was jointed, so there was obviously loads of people there. Oh, so I, I never knew about that. Be, yeah. Was it busy? Mm. Oh, it was tearing, yeah. We got in very early <laughs> because we're eager beavers, but, uh, yeah, no, it got really, really busy. I'd say the night was fantastic. We went away because we only went with the kids, like... But I'd say the night would have been amazing. I never knew how big Tequila Jacks was it's either. Yeah, I always thought wide. it was just a small yeah. place. No, it's big. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. 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 A great Saturday then spent at the Mexican Independence Festival at Tequila Jacks. Mm-hmm. Well done. Thanks, yeah, Anna. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. Stay listening. Tom. Hi, how are you? Your weekend involved a wedding, did it? Oh, it involved more than just a wedding. <laughs> what else? So, uh, one of my best friends was getting married Friday down in Bantry. And, um... It was a good wedding, you know, to be fair, Neil. It was brilliant. There was a lot of us there. A lot of reunions from school happened as well, you know. And a uh, yeah. couple of Guinness and a couple of whiskeys later, anyway, on the dance floor at about half 11, 12 o'clock at night, I took a bit of a took a bit of a hop, but I didn't take much of it. A speed and, um, wobble, like? It was more than a wobble, but anyway, um, two or three hours later, anyway, I was still going. But I was like, geez, my leg doesn't feel right, but had another few whiskeys anyway, you know yourself. And... <laughs> ACDC Thunderstruck came on, you know, and you have to do the dance under one leg and everything. And I was, Jesus, this this doesn't feel right at all. So <laughs> went back to bed anyway, Neil, and woke up with the worst hangover, but my leg was more sore than my head. So I said to the missus, while she was hungover as well, knocked out in bed, I said, I have to go for a walk there to loosen up the ankle of it, you know. <laughs> so um, went for a bit of a walk anyway, and I, I still couldn't put pressure on the leg. So I said, that's my wife I said I think I need to go to the hospital like, so I went up to Bantry Hospital and I broke a bone in my leg oh god I broke a bone in my foot and oh, I'd be out for about four to five weeks <laughs> and did you did you actually pass out at some stage in the hospital so my wife next to me rising my eyes now to this so they put on the you know now when I got the x-rays they confirmed it was broken and everything and she said, can you stand up so for a second? And I was like, I'll try anyway. And then I started standing up and I was like, Jesus, I'm getting very queasy here. So they said, sit down. And then I sat down and just passed out. Three people had to pick me up. And they put a boot on you at that stage, yeah? I had the boot on me at that stage as well. She wanted to be get used to the crutches. But um, <laughs> God, it, was a mixture, it was a mixture It was a mixture of a hangover, lack of food, and just a lot of pain. And I passed out with pain. The construction workers should not be passing out from pain. You're a hardy oh. bunch. <laughs> We are hard, but when you've a broken bone in your foot and you're like, Jesus. <laughs> there you go, boy. That's the worry of a wedding, you see. Too much bevy on board and you think you're John Travolta, right? Way too much. Way too much. John Travolta on the thing on it. <laughs> so no work now for a few weeks, no? I'm out of work now for four to five weeks and oh, my wife is basically getting everything from you now. Oh, God. <laughs> so, I wonder how that... I wonder, you're going to try her patience now over the next month, you know. Uh, I have three kids as well, so I'd be too, I won't be too bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just going to keep an eye on another couple of texts this side of 11 o'clock, but so far, so good for you. Yours is certainly the more... <laughs> I think I deserve the donut no, anyway, you know? No, <laughs> <laughs> you'd, munch a, you'd munch a dozen donuts. You're on your back, are you? No, I'm laid out now, and there's not only the Queen's funeral, so Jesus you'd is like, crazy. <laughs> you'd be like Homer Simpson on the couch with the boot and the 12 donuts. <laughs> 
Oh, I'd be worth it. The PS5 knows why to keep me going, so it's not too bad. <laughs> Stay listening for another little while, see if you're lucky. Cheers, Tom, for now. Hold on, Mike, for Actually, you know something? You talk about people who wear boots for broken feet or broken bones in their leg. You know, I was telling you, I don't know what I mentioned on the air, perhaps I did. I don't, actually, I don't think I did. I was just thinking it at the time I was reading this article. This is one of the tricks that people use, apparently, to skip queues at airports, you know? They fake a broken foot. So apparently there was this one who posted online. She was saying uh, she revealed how she slipped on a protective boot. Uh, She slipped it on as in she put on, she brought it with her to the airport, put on the protective boot and didn't have to queue, tricking staff into believing that she had broken her foot. It happened apparently. It also got her through security much faster and everything else. She says, at Manchester Airport, I was through security from start to finish. I was given priority assistance because of my so-called injury. As soon as I got through, while others were waiting at least three hours in the queue, I sped through to the departure lounge, went into the loo, took off the boot and discarded it in the bin in the women's toilet. Isn't that an awful thing to do? to everybody else in a queue. Um, I think people might be divided on it because some might say, well, she was the smart one. But for everybody else, not so. I remember being uh, on a flight, uh, United flight to uh, America uh, some time back where it wasn't the busiest flight in the world and, you know, there was a lot of empty seats and there was one row that was completely empty. And I remember a guy moved and he got moved. um, Didn't know why, but all of a sudden he got moved from wherever he was and he got the four seats all to himself, which meant that on the trip, of course, he could lie down and sleep and everything. But I overheard him, and the, and the the air hostess was so kind to him. She kept coming back asking, "Is everything okay? If you want more, if you need extra food, if you need drinks or anything, just let me know. I'll look after you for the whole flight." Um, and all that was fine until somebody of his came down, and he said to him, "I made a total fool out of your one anyway. She thinks that I have claustrophobia and I needed extra space, and she moved me down here." And I kind of thought to myself, that's an awful thing to do, as if she hasn't got enough to be doing in her job on that airplane now with having to deal with that kind of fella taking it on like that, saying, you know, I've claustrophobia, I need more space, is there any way chance I could move to this? Anyway, he got, he got moved, but maybe he was the smart one, I don't know. Text 0868104106, back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 0818-104-106, Red FM. Yeah, I might drill into the cocktail uh, calorie count at some stage. Chap here says, I'm a man. A Long Island iced tea is the best cocktail for a hangover cure. I love a nice cocktail, me, and I'm a man. Yeah, I was just curious, is it still... Uh, exclusively the domain of, of women, but apparently not so. Um, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Talking about cocktails and socializing. Um, I just want to do um, another shout out for our 500 euro voucher every single day this week for the furniture store on the Watercourse Road in Blackpool. And we're looking for nostalgic cork stories this week for to be winning a daily voucher of 500 euro that you can spend in the furniture store on the Watercourse Road. Family-run business, over 40 years. Much of what they sell is Irish-made, uh, supporting Irish industry and Irish jobs. They've got a wonderful website, thefurniturecentre.ie. So when you talk about things nostalgic, I was just thinking about that this morning. Like, Cubans Nightclub is up for sale now, and if you've got $3.7 million, that's the asking price for it. Now, the auctioneers are ERA Downey McCarthy and Sean McCarthy, is quoted in the Echo this morning, uh, saying that it's literally ready to go. And some might remember it as Cubans. Others might well remember it as, say, for instance, spiders. 
or the holy cow it was known in recent years. But spiders would have been the original of the species going way, way back. And spiders was a very popular location. Younger demographic, they even used to have um, Spanish discos where they'd have gigs on a Saturday afternoon and they'd be mobbed. Um, and it was very, very popular, John, through the years. So it's for sale for 3.7 million. And as Sean was saying in the Echo this morning, he says, probably marriage has flourished and marriages failed there. <laughs> but certainly, he says, people of my generation would have a fondness for the place. And of course, it's in a good strategic position because on one side of it, it's got the Beamish and Crawford area, which soon will be, oh my God, mortified even saying it, the Conference and Convention Centre. And the other side of it then, of course, has got Reardon. So it's in a good, it's kind of like party, it's the party hub really, isn't it? Although, I have to say, McCartan Street will give it a good run for its money now. But anyways, for sale. So I was just wondering, where did you go on your first Cork date? Where did you go on your first Cork date, right? And how did it go? We'd like the good, the bad and the ugly stories on that one, please. So text 0868104106. If you're not texting, then you can pick up the phone 0818104106. So your first Cork date, where was it? How did it go? The wackier and crazier, of course, the story. It could be just a really romantic story, too. Whatever it is, get in touch. A 500 euro voucher for the furniture store on the Watercourse Road. And today, where did you go on your first Cork date? And how did it go? Text 0868 104 106. You know, I will be coming back to issues regarding energy costs and what have you. And I hope, although it probably won't be today, uh, to talk with bonkers.ie because they really have their finger on the pulse. Actually, it's a great website. You should be visiting it regularly with regards to the cost of everything because it's just not a price comparison website they do an awful lot besides so I will come back to that uh, throughout the court hopefully it'll be the morning at this stage Uh, but I don't want it to be all doom and gloom as the fellow says because things are bad enough as it is but if you look back at how differently things could be in the lives of people if a different decision were made that might make might be a bizarre thing to say when you hear the actual backstory to this you'll understand where I'm coming from Kevin good morning Good morning, Neil. This it's is an incredible. incredible story. It is an yeah. incredible story of how things could have been and where is that person now? So go ahead. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead. Exactly. Um, I suspect the year was probably 1971, definitely early 1970s. My late father, Finbar Daly, was a train driver attached to Kent Station Cork. Went to work as normal. Um, he wasn't long at work and the inspector called him and he said, Finbar, there's a train coming up from East Cork. Um, that train is defective, mechanically defective. So will you take a spare engine, go down, hook up to him, and you can bring him back to Cork if that engine fails completely. Now, he went down the yard. They used to use two types of engines in those days, the American engine, known as the Yankee engine, and the English engine. He took the English engine. Entirely different beasts, I'm sure, were they? Entirely different models and beasts, exactly. Different designs completely. So he heads down towards... Uh, over the Lord Landmark Road, heading down towards Tivoli for the Skew Bridge. And to his amazement and absolute horror, he can see a little girl, probably about three years of age, on his left-hand side, and she walks out right into the middle of the track. God almighty. And, yeah, and she's staring innocently up at the train. Oh, my God. It's an engine on its own. So he's horrified. He slams on the brakes. He, you know, sounds the hooter. And despairingly, he can see her disappearing in under the engine as he goes over. Okay, because let me just stop you there stop. now. Because trains don't stop like motor cars stop. They take a while, don't they? They take a while. But there's two factors at play here. One was that he was 
just after leaving the station, so he would have been going relatively slowly. I know. And secondly, it was a single engine on its own, so there wasn't carriages you know, pushing it forward as well. But she went under the engine. She went under the engine, and the train came to a stop. So at this stage, she's obviously horrified. He starts to climb down from the engine, and he can hear sobbing and crying from underneath the engine. <sighs> His next thoughts, obviously, are, okay, I'm, I'm aware she's alive, but what kind of injuries has she sustained? Right. So he looks under the engine. As far as I know, there was another guy with him, a shunter probably, who would have hooked up his engine to the defective engine. Right. And they managed to coax her out. And amazingly, all she had was a cut in her forehead, a graze, which probably occurred when she, her head made contact with the, the ballast stones, which they're lined in between the, the sleepers to keep everything in place. And they couldn't believe that she was virtually unhurt. And, you know, apparently, uh, there's fencing there in that area, and the fencing had been vandalised and cut, and that's how she was able to access yeah, the rail line. Yeah, there would be a lot of homes around there, and still yeah, are. a lot yeah, of homes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And do you yeah. think that she lay down, or does he know how she managed, anyway? How he, no, because he was so high up, he couldn't ascertain whether she actually lay down, or whether she fell. Probably, you know, we can only guess at this stage, she probably fell with fright as a train went over and right. stopped. okay. Now, amazingly, um, the reason I told you about the Yankee engine and the English engine is that the English engine, the one he fortunately chose, had a high undercarriage. And the it was American like a bigger engine, gap between the end of the train big, and the exactly, track. Exactly, a bit between the train and the track. And the Yankee engine had a low undercarriage and it also had a big metal plate, a type of cowcatcher device fitted to the front of it. And if he had chosen that one, then it would not have been a positive outcome. She would not have survived if he'd taken she the other would not engine. Have survived. Definitely would not have survived. My Definitely. God. And do you know what so, happened next? What other part of the story did he tell you? Um, I was only a kid at the time. Apparently, neighbours and friends, or relatives came out and they obviously took the little girl in and everything was fine. And I can recall a picture in the old evening echo some weeks later. They did a little bit of a backstory to it and they, they photographed the girl on the rail line. And, you know, I was just wondering... Uh, we've often spoken about this now um, with his ex-colleagues and that. Does this person, hopefully she's still walking around Cork, does she realise how close she came to absolutely being killed on that line that day? Okay, so that was 51 years ago. And uh, you I suspect think, about 51 years ago. Okay, 50, yeah. 51, 52. 50, and, 51 years And she'd ago. have been about three years old. So well, this would be a person anywhere aged between 54 and 55 now. Yeah, yeah in this day and age but I, I think if this would occur today you now with social media and everything else probably would end up in CNN it's like it's like something from a, a, a film really you know oh my god and like it must have played on his mind all those years oh my god if I'd taken the Yankee engine oh my god if I had taken the Yankee engine it, life would have been so different wouldn't it be lovely to see if she's still around that's what I'm hoping to ascertain yeah yeah, yeah she'd be yeah. 50s wouldn't she in her okay. 50s yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I'm sure that story is bound to ring a bell with people from then. She may not recall it, but surely um, relatives and neighbours and that they would, would remember it and, and you know, and, and maybe we could find out who she Wouldn't was. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to find out who she was and if she was around or whether she'd take a call or did she yeah, you know, exactly. realise how lucky exactly. she was, you know? Isn't that how lucky she, she How lucky she was, yeah. 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 And yeah. obviously, um, you know, I mean, he was well shook after when he came home and... Uh, 
not an everyday occurrence. No, unfortunately it's not. And, and it is a train driver's worst, worst nightmare. Yes. Having spoken to it train is. drivers myself who have had, oh God, I hate mentioning people step out in front of their trains. Yep. How they ever recover yep. from that is, is beyond me. Yes, I spoke to one train driver. I won't name him here, but I did speak to one train driver who actually had an incident like you just described. Yeah. And I said, how did you cope with it? And he said, well, he said, I went to work to do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. I didn't choose for this to happen and there's no steering wheel in the train. You can't swerve. I know, but still they'd have to live with it. Yeah, they'd have to live with it. And your dad was on the trains all his life, was he? All his life, 49 years. Um, retired in 1991. There's a funny incident. <laughs> he retired if you want to hear it. Yeah. Um, train drivers carry, I presume they still carry, a bag of detonators with them at all times. And if <laughs> the train breaks down, if the train breaks down or there's an incident, they immediately walk back something like, I don't know, four or 500 metres and they place these little detonators on the line. And when this, an oncoming train goes over them, they make a very loud bang and the oncoming train immediately stops. Good idea. That's it. It's a, it's a fail-safe mechanism. Yeah. And um, the day he retired, he, he was driving his last train, emerging from the tunnel, the lads in Kent Station had placed some detonators on the line. <laughs> Unknown to my father, the newly elected president of Ireland, Mary Robinson, was in the presidential carriage as part of his train. We have such course, a thing, do we? A presidential carriage. We certainly used to have. And right. um, I remember seeing it as a kid. Uh, <laughs> it's very plush with velvet couches and water cut glass lamps and everything. And it was very plush. And um, her security details started going ballistic because they thought somebody was trying to take out poor Mary Robinson. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they were doing somersaults. It was your so dad's the, retirement send-off. <laughs> it was his retirement send-off. No, to be fair to Mary Robinson, um, she was told what it was and the man had worked there for 49 years. <laughs> and she made her way down. We were all gathered in the station and she made her way down to the front of the, uh, the train and met him and shook hands with him and congratulated him, wished him a happy retirement and and uh, stood for photographs and she was very pleasant. Well, that was a great send-off to be wished to happy retirement from the President of Ireland. Yeah, we used to slag him that, oh yeah, should the President have come to Cork to wish you a good retirement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well look, let's see if we can find more details about this yeah. woman yeah. who would have been three years old in the early 70s and was caught yeah. under a train and survived yeah. it. I think it'd be a great thing if somebody knows her, if she's listening. You never know. I think so. You never know. Okay. Never know. Worth a go. Let's, a go. let's try and see what happens. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thanks a million. Thank you. Anybody Bye. help right. with that? I mean, it wouldn't be lovely if she was still alive. Why wouldn't she be? She's only in her 50s. Might be overseas, though, but you never know. It's worth a shout. Anybody shine a light on this? Uh, text 0868104106. Already, I see it here. Rose Murphy was the girl you're talking about. She emigrated to Australia with her family, and she still has brothers living in Cork. Her name is mentioned in the book where we sported and played by Ted Delaney. Rose Murphy, I hope Kevin is still listening. At least it seems we have a name. Let's dig deeper, guys. Any more with anybody else with further information? Text 0868104106. Oh, incidentally, you can always email neil at redfm.ie. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. I, uh, Tom had a cracking time at the wedding at the weekend. I think he said he was down uh, Glengariff Way at a wedding. He's now four weeks off work. 
York because he thought he was John, John Travolta mixed in with Fred Astaire and he was the greatest dancer but of course that had a lot to do with the amount he had imbibed at the wedding ended up with a broken foot or at least bones in it knowing him, knowing him is probably knowing him and the fact that he's a man it's probably the tiniest tiniest bone in his foot that broke as opposed to breaking his leg he's now in a boot and will be off work for four weeks and his poor wife will have a long suffering four weeks ahead looking after him so you'd like, be, like, be like Homer Simpson on the couch now so for him we have a box of donuts I was asking the question how did your weekend go for you that would be a hard story to beat so offbeat donuts on French Church Street will provide him with this week's this Monday morning's box of donuts you need to share them it doesn't mean just because you're sick with a broken foot that you can eat a whole lot of them you'll pile on the poundage keep those stories coming a 500 euro voucher for the furniture store on Watercourse Road Uh, we're talking about nostalgia this morning because they're 40 years in business Uh, and there's been a lot of nightclubs in Cork over the past 40 years and that's what got me thinking about this the fact that Cubans is closed but up for sale and ready to go for 3.7 million where did you go on your first Cork date and how did it go so we'll do a few of those in a moment but just ahead of that staying with Kevin's story about his dad back in the early 70s right somebody got in touch to say the girl who was very small and ended up under the train was Rose Murphy okay so um Let's stay with this and see if we can get more information on Rose Murphy. And good morning. Hello, Neelys. I'm calling you Neelys now because I'm listening to you so often. Right? Neely works for me. I don't want to call you Neel at all. No, it's Neelys. They, call, so me, they call me that at home from time to time. <laughs> I'm all right with this. Um, oh, that's good. Now, Listen, uh, what yeah, do you I'm know? Susan, what do you know? From Klein. What I know is, and I got it from the horse's mouth. My dad, Peter, who's still alive, he's 88, living in Middleton now, Peter Murphy, he worked in McCormick McNaughton's, you know, there opposite the Silver Springs. Yes, um, I do. Anyway, my mother used to often beg a spin off him on a Saturday morning. Uh, He'd be going to fix the machine then afterwards because he always had a few machines on the go and, um, you know, digging, doing all the sites and stuff in East Cork. And uh, she would send us up and drop us off then to Auntie Noreen's, the great Noreen Downey from Castleview Terrace there. Castleview would be adjacent to where the train goes down. Yes, yes. They were like the railway houses up the steps there, you know, the crookedy steps. Yeah, so I do. So that's your aunt house would be my grand aunt yeah Noreen Downey my mother's aunt and she would leave the kids we would they stay there while she'd go in and do the shopping on the bus you know and always come back loaded down with shopping then you know happy days yeah so I heard that story obviously a day or two later or maybe a week later I was friends with Rose because she was always living next door to Auntie Noreen and her mother Lord Rester was always cooking the bread and handing it in hot bread and everything it was beautiful (laughs) a lovely place to live I'd imagine you know railway children if you like railway children and what I heard was they showed me the photograph one day I went into the sitting room and they opened up an old you know 70s photo album and there was a picture of Rose when she she was a little toddler and it was a photograph of her and, and the, the story came out then that what happened was she must have slipped through the, the railways, you know, the railings. There was a little wall along the front of the houses and yeah. a footpath yeah. and then the railings would take you down into the, the field which we all wanted to play in, you know, yeah. next, next to, to the, the track. open tracks. So apparently she got in through, she was the youngest in the family of a big family and apparently um, the older brother Stephen he was about 17 at the time he hopped the railings he was about 6 foot something and apparently my aunts they all saw it anyway he jumped over the railings and ran down and they couldn't believe when when the train 
you know, went over. Did he, see her, did he see the train go over his sister? Well, apparently, that's what I heard, that they had seen it. It all happened very fast. And how old would you say Rose was? Because Kevin says about, about three or four. Three, yeah. I am i don't like to give away my age now. I'm 54 now, so I'd say she couldn't be more than 51. But, like, as the years went on, then my poor aunt passed away and we lost contact. But I think the last I heard, she was she emigrated to Australia. Right, yeah. And I never yeah. really saw her because, unfortunately, her father had died and her mother had died when she was around her leaving search. Right, year. and you've had and no contact. But what did you think when you heard the son of the train driver talking to me, Kevin, about his dad? I couldn't believe it. I was actually cleaning out a few cupboards there now because I was doing a bit of baking. So, she, so not actually, some sense, sh- you know. Sh- and I couldn't believe it. I said, that's Rose anyway, Rosemary Murphy. Because it's the only story I ever knew about it. So you know? she'd be, she'd probably be the same age as you. Because it, yes, let's probably, say it was 50 years ago. So she'd yes, be 53 she was, or 4. She's about 53 now, I'd say. At the, at the oldest now, about 53, I'd say. She was the baby of the family. Wouldn't it be great to lungs. put a phone call into her, though? Oh, God, yeah, that should be a miracle. And I mean, like, I never really saw any of them afterwards, you know? Yeah. Because, like, when our grand-aunt died, then when I got married in my, I was young, in 24, like, I wouldn't, we'd have had no reason then because the house was sold, you know, to go But I heard that Rose would travel down to you to play on Saturdays. Yes, when we were teenagers, I didn't know that. You see, all the family worked in on the trains. My great-grandfather, apparently, um, Edward Downey, he broke the sticks on the side of the road, you know, on the side of the, got, got out of the, the train on the way to Dublin and he'd often stop the train to break the sticks to fire it into the steam engine oh, to keep it going. That's yeah. gone back, isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I wish I had more time. I just need to squeeze Aww. a few calls on right now. No, but brother. It's lovely chatting with you. I'd love to be, if you come up with any further information uh, on yeah, Rose. Yeah, it was definitely the Murphys. There was a big family of them, number Rose nine. Rose Murphy. Yeah. Castle View Terrace. Okay, Black make a note of that, guys. Really number nine. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Lovely, Lovely chatting with you, Anne. Neil, and, take care. And, um, take care. Bye-bye. Cheers bye. for now. Okay, just bye. a few bye. quick ones. A 400, 500 euro voucher for the furniture store on the Watercourse Road, and we'll pick up on all other business tomorrow. Nicola, good morning. Hi, how are you? Okay, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of time, but where'd you go on your first Cork date, and how did it go? We went to the cinema in North Main Street there, the gate. Uh, myself and my husband, we were only 15 now at the time. Uh, very well, we went in. He was like, what do you want? Got me the combo meal, the whole work. Got nothing but water for himself. And I'm saying, geez, this fella's right. A, con- a, second, a combo meal at the cinema? Yeah, like, you know, like the drink and the popcorn. Oh, and get, like, okay. I thought it was hamburgers or hot dogs or something. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Got, got to work. Then he went into the picture. Not fine, great date, whatever. Walking home, he said, passing fast hours on the corner. I said, oh, I love fast hours. Oh, get a slice of pizza, get a large, whatever you want, get a drink. <laughs> Got nothing again himself. And I was saying, oh, Jesus, this isn't going to work out at all. I love my grub, love this. You thought that he was just, uh, he was a health I fanatic, is it? He just, like, yeah, loved himself for something. He was getting nothing but water, said nothing. Walked me home. Look, long story short, it went from there, obviously. We ended up getting married at 25 there with <laughs> three kids. <laughs> I was slagging him there recently because he loves to grow up now, like, you can't keep faith. And uh, I said, what about two years ago, like, you our first date about the water? <laughs> he only told me recently. He was after saving up all his pocket money to date me on the date. And he ah, was he run out of money. That's so romantic. He was probably yeah. looking longingly at your box of popcorn. <laughs> I didn't even share. <laughs> <laughs> and as for how he must have been feeling and you munching into the slice of pizza is another story entirely. I no, he said he was starving. He was telling me to go see. What was the film? Do you remember? 
Oh, I couldn't tell you the film now. I, do you know what? Now I probably talked through it anyway because I never shut off. I know what he was thinking taking me to the cinema. Well, you need to. I bet you he remembers it though. What's his name? Sean, he is it? He probably does, Sean, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thanks, Nicola. Stay listening. Debbie, good morning. Morning. Tell me about Patrick. <laughs> Why do I so, see the word culture in this text? Go on anyway. Because <laughs> he's a pure, he's a proper culture. So, um, yeah, I used to work in the shop, you know, and he was the mechanic next door and used to come in and whatever. And I thought, oh, he's lovely. And then we ended up getting texting. So he was like, you know, do you want to meet up and to you not know, go out? And I was like, yeah, sure. And delighted with life. The next thing anyway, he pulls up in his recovery truck because he was working as the recovery driver. Did he clean up now and get rid of the grease and take off the overalls? Well, he would have had... He he didn't have his overalls on. He probably... He cleaned up then, at least. Okay, all right. His work clothes on, just not his overalls. (laughs) (laughs) So that was great. Still wasn't quite sure where we were going or what was going on, you know, sitting in the recovery truck. And next thing, he pulls up outside the forest and he was like, come on, so we go for a walk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> were you all dolled up, were you? I was. I was. I was all ready to go out and everything. And next thing, I'm going up to the local forest for a walk around. <laughs> was, oh, that, man. was that it? Just the forest? That Nothing afterwards? It, that was it. Nothing. Just kind of chilled out afterwards in the truck chatting. And then I was dropped home. <laughs> what were you expecting? <laughs> or should I, wasn't I ask? Quite sure. I wasn't quite sure. Because you know when he hadn't said what we were up to, I thought, oh, he's you know after organising something nice now, where maybe a movie yeah. or a dinner or yeah. something, and I already forrowed like you thought this was the first part, the like a nice romantic <laughs> walk in the woods, followed by candlelit dinner, so, or you would a, think so, or a clearing in the wood where a table had been set out with linen and all sorts of things ready for you. Yeah, couldn't be further from the, the movies, shall we say. Did, he, did, he not, did he improve though? Because you ended up marrying him, right? I did end up marrying him. Not, he still loves the forest. He still takes me into the car. We go for a walk up the forest. He still loves this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if there's dates to be to be done, I'd I kind of say, all right, look, I'll book a meal there or, you know, let's go check out that movie or whatever. And, <laughs> But if he's in charge, you're guaranteed it's, it's more than likely going to be a forest or, you know, something along that line. Oh, my God, I love it. Thanks, Debbie. Thanks. Stay listening. Hi to you and to Patrick. Martin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Happy days, boy. The roller disco down the arc, huh? I tell you, the roller disco, boy, you couldn't go along. Was that where you took her on the first date? Well, that's where I met her on the first day. So well, the girl by the name of Susan O'Regan got us together. Well, I tell you something, there were thousands like you. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. The first song then that was, when we had a kiss, there was Come On Eileen by the Dixie Midnight Runners. <laughs> Not and the easiest that. thing to do, kiss while you're scooting around the, the arc on, ro- on a roller skate. You're sitting on the stage when you're pretending you're tired, you see. <laughs> the old kiss, like. <laughs> You know you'd have to have your kiss. You know yourself, no need. Come on, Eileen. Come on, Eileen. And her name is Elaine, you see. But Come on, Elaine. That's it. Were you handy on the skates, were you? Yeah, I wasn't too bad, like. I wasn't too bad. I was have to go around in rings. And what was know? she What was she like? Well, she was just like the trailer. I had to pull her behind me. <laughs> she, was like Bam- <laughs> she was like Bambi on ice, is it? <laughs> that, no, you said it, Bambi on ice. <laughs> she still has no balance. <laughs> She went to the scooter and handed it and I wouldn't give it to her. <laughs> I think... One, one of these old electric scooters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, I wouldn't give away. No, no. She's no, no. She'd be the hospital every day again. <laughs> are, you, are you just back from Lanzarote or something? Yeah, I'm only back from Lanzarote in a couple of weeks over there for myself <laughs> and my wife. I hope it rained, did it? No, on the end of the day we were coming away and that was yesterday. <laughs> It gave a little shower. I saw, I saw I was crying because we were there for a couple of weeks. We were there for about eight weeks, I think. What? Yeah, eight, eight weeks? It must I be... Eh? But should the government they're only, only taking all thing, everything off your hair, so you might as well spend it in Spain. <laughs> you better, yeah, shut the house down. It's cheaper to live in Spain. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Only for I couldn't shut the house down because the kids were still there. And how would you be now on a pair of roller skates, do you think? Uh, I'd say I'd be uh, two left legs now, I'd say. <laughs> okay. I, I, I mean, the forward balance now at this stage. I used to be slim and trim those days. I, kind of, I was kind of a coach now. She fed me too well, you see. 41 all, years we're together. Happy days. 41 and years next, she's putting up with you. And next month we're 37 years married. Imagine that. And it all started at the roller disco in the arc. The roller disco down the arc. All thanks to Susan O'Regan. Well done, Susan. Know, Susan Punch. And it's amazing. You must be very romantic if you remember the song and everything. Dexie's Come On Eileen. The wife reminds me. <laughs> Come on, good luck, good luck, good luck. Martin, Debbie and Nicola. Um, we'll pick it up in the morning, so keep those stories coming. Text 0868104106. Where'd you go on your first date in Cork and how did it go? <laughs> Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Where'd you go on your first date in Cork and how did it go? Well, if it wasn't the Ark Roller Disco, it was a walk in the woods with Patrick or indeed poor old Sean without a bob in his pocket and uh, doing everything for Nicola, making sure she was well looked after. That's our winner for today. Nicola, good morning. Hi. I've got a 500 euro voucher for the furniture store on the Watercourse Road for Sean. Oh my God, I'm absolutely buzzing. He's going to be delighted. I'm embarrassed now. As to, as to what he's going to do if he buys a table and chairs, I have no idea because he doesn't seem to know what they're for. <laughs> <laughs> How old no, was he, Nicola? How old was he? 15. He was 15, so he didn't have a job or anything. He must have been counting money oh. behind your back, making sure he had enough money for the popcorn, for the cinema ticket, for the pizza slice. He's a lovely, lovely man. Oh, he's still the same to this day. There's a reason I married him. He's a great stop. All right, well, got a €500 Euro voucher for the furniture store on the Watercourse Road, Blackpool. When you go out there, make sure you bring Sean as well, right? Oh, of course. He's going to love this now. All right, well, it's a great story. Thanks for sharing it. Appreciate it. Have a great Thanks day. So we appreciate it. Bye. See you, Nicola. Bye-bye. See you, Sean. 15 years married and three children later. And she only found out recently that he hadn't a bob in his pocket, but what he had was his pocket money that he spent on Nicola on their first date. So keep those stories coming. Text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Don't forget, any further details, if at all possible, on Rose Murphy, the Murphy family, from nine Castleview Terrace, uh, down on the railway line, as you head down um, past Tivoli and off you go on the train and she got caught underneath the train and survived. It'd be great to get more information and wonderful to be able to talk to her. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast.